Powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane in Australia. It's episode 94 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we take a look at bands and artists who have had three hit records slash albums in a row. And, as always, Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes, check out, and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And of course, we want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Of course, it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate. It fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds, and in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julio and Justo have brought their very own brand to market, and each contain that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Classic, as well as the Aladino Candela. And each represents the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And while I mentioned tobacco areas, say, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco areas say, great things are happening here. And of course, we want to mention Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. A masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew, the all-Maduro Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer, and remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network shows, as well as the California studios for the Thursday Primetime show, is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 94. This is the Easter weekend edition. Uh, belated happy Easter to everybody. And happy Easter to Dave, uh, who's doing this Easter morning here as we record this. Uh, it's Will Cooper here. I am in the Perdomo Scar Studios on the Black Stage. And, of course, I'm joined by Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. Uh, good to hear from you on this Easter Sunday. I have uh, the uh, um, Red Sox hat on in honor of Bear. I was listening. I've been listening to Coop's uh, baseball show. 
Bears a bit down on the old Red Sox, so you know, trying to lift his spirits. We, we got to lift his spirits. You know, he sticks with the Red Sox as bad as they go. I mean, he really, he really uh, sticks with his team. So there's not a more loyal fan out there. But you know, when he gets upset about the Red Sox, it's because he cares. Just like when I get upset about the Phillies, I care. But um, you know, Bear is very upset what's happening in Red Sox Nation right now. He needs to be uh, more uh, homery like Rob. Just start, just keep picking him anyway. Like Robbie. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, it's really good. Uh, you know, it's really cool about having Rob on that show. Um, and Rob and I, we, we banter back and forth. The guy's got a World Series ring. People don't realize he actually has. A oh, World yeah. Ring. He got the ring for because he, he works for the Giants. Um, you know, he's up in the, in the scoreboard area. So uh i've seen the ring and it's a uh, wonderful to know someone actually with a world series ring so uh i think it'd be huge yeah yeah so um yeah it's pretty good you know what's interesting i'm looking at the weather behind you you have that like classic golden sunshine easter morning in australia that's right we've had like i call the good friday weather here in charlotte we have had storms for the past three oh. days and it's still raining i mean we have had some oh no yeah we've had i think it's supposed to get nice tomorrow here but we have had some really really uh it's still raining and the wind is still picking up here it, it's been it's been gruesome here is what i'll just say oh so uh so yeah it's a big contrast if i could show you that my backdrop oh, it's not as nice yeah. as yours yeah yeah so uh, yeah Oh, uh, but um, yes, but great, uh, great to be here today with you as always. This is gonna be—I'm really looking forward to this show today because we and I've talked about this one for a while. I'm very excited. Uh, the well, we'll get into it, but the coop, the the actual topic coop talked about, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I actually, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I just you know slowly add to a list I was making of, of yeah. bands and albums. Oh. But the list it's phenomenal. is, you know, what's funny is we'll get to it. It There's not a lot that's been left off this list, I found, except for some very obvious stuff, which we'll no, talk about. I mean, I bet if I dug into it more, there's probably some other ones. But it's uh, it's very interesting um, yeah. when you look at look at it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I definitely agree with you on that. Um, like I said, it was a very, you know, and I think I'm curious to see how you approached it and how I, I think we might have approached mm. it slightly different, but I think the I think we'll get the mm. same gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're going to Minneapolis, Coop. Yes, I am. So I'm going to be leaving for Minneapolis Ooh. on Tuesday. Uh, I will be there for two days, two nights. Uh, it is a non-cigar trip, but uh, I I fallen in love with that city, Dave. Um, from our visit back in December. Hey. So. Yeah. So I'm if really. You, oh, I was just gonna say, if you could fall in love with Minneapolis in the winter, that's uh, saying something. Well, in fairness, um, I think in fairness, right. Until there was like one or until really that last day, it wasn't like brutally cold. Mm, like the, yeah. the, the night we got together, it was kind of crappy. You know, some ice was building on the roads, but it wasn't. You just had to look, but it wasn't like the bad weather came as I was leaving on that to, that mm. following Tuesday. Yes, because did you did you have to deal with that blizzard? I got out just in time. Yeah, I got out just in time. I mean, when I say uh, I had a morning flight, uh, if I had an afternoon flight, I probably would have been dealing with it. Oh, cause yeah, and it was oh. not only that the cold came in after that too. Mm. Um, so the weather is going to be the funny thing. I looked at the weather for this week. Uh, it's going to get into the. It's going to be in the fifties when I land. It looks like it's not bad. Uh, that's not bad. So I mean, I won't be able to probably smoke outside of a hotel or anything like that. Most likely because it is going to cool at night. Uh, but 
the temperature for Wednesday is 67. And the, when I leave on Thursday, Ooh. it's going to be 71. Nice. So I'm not going to be packing the gloves and the uh, galoshes for this trip. I'll tell you that. No, I think they just and had Golden snow State. a couple of weeks ago, too. They had so snow crazy. last week. They had a big yeah. snowstorm last week. Yeah. Will you get to see a uh, Twins game? Are you going to be I, I, I probably won't time have, for that? Or? I probably won't have time for a Twins game, unfortunately, which Ooh. is unfortunate. Yeah, uh, it is. It is kind of a non-cigar trip. So my days are kind of tied up. Uh, maybe mm. that Wednesday night. I don't know if they're in town. I know uh, Matt went to the home opener. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I saw so, that. Yeah. yeah, Matt was at the home open. He's a he's a big uh, he's a big Twins guy. Um, and then you know, we'll know like tonight when we record this is the NCAA hockey championship and Minnesota's in it. Yes, so they pretty, are. I am a, I am a Minnesota hockey fan, and I I am rooting for them hard. Mm. I kind of root for all the upper Midwest uh, college hockey teams like North Dakota, Minnesota, Michigan. So I kind of root mm. for those teams. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm excited about that. Um, so yeah, that would be. Yeah, I didn't know good. that was. I didn't know that was today. Yeah, but yeah. yeah they, um, they I'm play. hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping I get to that cigar shop we went to uh, with Garrett and Matt. That's that a good shop, St. Paul. That's the one. But uh, I'm going to be staying on the other end of town, closer to downtown this time. So, okay. Uh, so that's in St. Paul, which isn't it really isn't that far. When I uh, no, yeah. So, um. It, it's kind of funny. The Minneapolis area actually seems geographically smaller than Charlotte, mm. but it's more populated is the difference. Yeah. And yep. you have two cities kind of conglomerating, but it's not as Charlotte's actually pretty spread out. Okay. Uh, I mean, you could do a, uh, to drive a loop around Charlotte. It's about 70 miles. Mm. So, oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'll hope maybe I'll have some stuff to report back on um next week. We'll hopefully uh, see him with that. Yeah. So I'm pretty. Oh excited. yeah, that'd be. Yep. That'd be good. I got. Uh, let's get it. Let's get into the battle of the bands, Coop. Because I'm very excited yeah. to talk. Yeah. About yeah. This. So let's kind of tell you what's been going on first. Um, and I'm gonna start off. I'm gonna bring up Hector's bracket to start with. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna save surgeons for last. For because oh yeah his has been the, the most the, interesting so oh surgeon the miscalculation uh, the, of one yeah surgeon. so um I think now it's showing yeah um yeah. he uh, so let's kind of go first matchup was purple rain by Prince versus like a virgin like Madonna oh that was uh, Hector yeah. threw Madonna to the wolves yeah he threw Madonna uh, um it wasn't close no I wonder if another Madonna album would have done. Better. I don't think it would have beaten Prince, but maybe like a prayer might have done better. It might have. I was, but I, it wouldn't have won. I it wouldn't have won. Uh, it was an easy win. Mm. Um, so unfortunately, Madonna we, has gotten trounced twice. Yeah, I mean, we got trounced by Miles that. Davis uh, a couple years ago. I mean, bad yes. than this, worse than yes. this. So Madonna is not fared well in, in Battle of the Bands. No, Purple Rain though is sort of a uh, juggernaut. I think. Yeah. Um so that's not unexpected. Yep. yep. Um this wasn't total surprise in the other one. Um Moving Pictures no. by Rush, uh 58.8% of the vote over Songs of a Big Hit Tears for Fears. I thought Tears for Fears might do a little better. Mm. Um but it sets up a Purple Rain Rush match in the second round, which yeah, I I told yeah. Hector, watch out if the Rush fans come out, watch out for that matchup. That could be a that could be a little bit of a sleeper, but it's up to the Rush fans coming out for that one. 
That's true. I mean, you could really just, I mean, it's an upset technically, but you could switch the seeds there and make, I mean, those albums are pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not a surprising result. I don't think. No, it wasn't. Uh, Rush has a much more of a hardcore following than Tears for Fears in, in terms of, and has a bigger fan base, I would say, too. Uh, you know, and, and not the fact that I like, I think Hector and I are fans of Tears for Fears more. But, you know, they, they won't, you know, they had, you know, they had a long period. They didn't do any albums. So hmm. it, it's, a, you know, it's not, you know, but, you know, at that one, and then this other matchup was the interesting one. Um, License to Ill versus Run DMC's Run DMC album. So it was a rap, it was a rap battle he had. Mm. Um, See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick on Hector's decision here. I think he should have picked Raising Hell, and I think Raising Hell might have won. I, I agree. I think he should have picked Raising Hell. I think Raising Hell could have put or come a lot closer than what happened there. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. Well, yeah, and the BC boys have won a, a first round match three years in a row. They won on uh, mm. you had them, I think, the, uh, a couple of years ago. Yep. And someone had, I think, you might have had them again last year. So they yeah. they yep. tend to win one round and then go out. Yeah, they don't. I mean, they're pretty popular, but they don't have <clears throat> the staying power when you go up against other big records. I think. Yep. Yep. So that will face the winner of um. Once Upon a Time, uh, Simple Minds, and Joshua Tree. So if you're watching this, that battle's probably already been started. So if mm. you're watching this live. So that battle's probably already been started. And we will see how Hector's bracket goes. He is the defending champion in this. He might be the two-timer with that purple ring. It's a tough. Yeah, he's got I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll, talk, about, talk about picking, you know, Ryan Leaf instead of Peyton Manning or whatever. Yeah, I know. That is, uh... I know. <laughs> Anyway, we'll get to that. Yep. All right, this is your bracket, Dave. So I'll just do a quick comment on this. I mean, yeah. the, the first one wasn't surprising. It was surprising how well Violent Femmes did, to be honest. I agree. I didn't think it would do almost 25% of vote. That is not bad against what well, the album was up against, Appetite of Destruction. No, I don't know what that means because they're two very different albums. Um it could just be people that like that found Fence out and voted for it because they're like, well, there's no way it's going to win, but I want to vote for it because I like it because it's not, they're not like for like. So I don't know how that is going to impact appetite moving forward. Um, and also Whitney Houston, look how well she did. Look yeah, I thought I was thinking that was maybe another 80 20 matchup. Um, I was shocked. I was, she put up a good battle <laughs> in that one. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, uh, she lost ending any female's chance of winning this because the, the women well, are I out think, now. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe that was a poor seating decision on my part. And possibly if Whitney was going up against a lower seed, she might have won like right. based, on, based on that. So yeah. that was a, that was a, my my fault with the seed there. But yeah. but I think it was five was a fair seed. I don't think you unfairly seeded it. Right. No, but I think like maybe if she went up against Uprising or up against uh goof, I don't think she's up against Faith. Maybe up against Uprising, she might have won that. Maybe. Um, maybe. Cause that's because well, Hysteria is a pretty popular record. It, it it is. I mean, that's a that's an epic matchup in the second round with Appetite for Destruction is. and Hysteria. Those are two albums from the late part of the eighties that just uh that just, you know, 
dumb. That's a that's a that's a main event matchup anywhere. Is what I would say. Coming up, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now we we are we are. I think by the time this comes out, the Van Halen Bob Marley matchup will be uh, will be decided. Mm, mm. So, um, and that see matchup that is going yeah. it's going on now. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, but I will say this: I picked Van Halen to win your bracket. So, yeah, you said that. Uh, it's I mean it's a huge record, so yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, we'll see how we go. I mean, Dave, the surprising thing about this bracket, right, is the, it, this could flush out with you having, like, a, a hair of metal band going to the Final Four. I mean, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Not a Dave. Not That's not what we expect from a Dave bracket normally. It's like kind no, of it's not, not what you do. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, but we'll, uh, I mean, we'll talk about that with themes, and, and it sort of fits with the decade, to be honest. It does. Um, it real. It real. I think we're seeing people vote for what was popular in the decade. Although I think there's yeah. one trend in the decade that hasn't been doing well, and I'll get to that with my bracket. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Yep. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got here. So All I right, got gonna, hair just like going for me. You got hair. All right. I'm gonna go to mine. Um. Oh yeah. Save the. I want to yeah, say John Celeste. I say. See, I'll let you. T I mean, that first one for me, like that is a. Back in black, I think it'd be hard to um, dethrone, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought Phil would do a little better because Phil was big in the 80s, but I don't mm. know necessarily how much his music has carried over, you know, 30, 40 years later. Um, mm. So, I mean, I kind of threw Phil to the wolves on this one, unfortunately. Um, and it was a crushing. Uh, and then Van Halen and the Police, you know, mm. again, Heron Meadow wins over Brit Rock. Is what I'm just gonna yep, say. That. Yep, yep. So, um, it was I. The police kind of got bounced a few years ago with me, so I wasn't right. A lot of people thought the police were gonna win this battle. Talking. I, I. Do you think I there's surprised. like a? Do you think there's like an anti-Sting sort of vibe? Yeah, I think there's an anti-Brit. The I think there's an anti-Brit rock vibe. Yeah, I think the Brit rock is not. I mean, that next matchup, which is going on so and and Peter Gabriel and Rio Duran Duran. Um, are both kind of Brit rock uh, things, so I don't. I'm mm. kind of curious to see one. I'm going to go to the next round, but I'm, I don't know how to do. Well, it's interesting because like Brit rock historically, like is mainly a pre '80s when you're looking at the first British invasion, and then a '90s when you're looking at the second British invasion. Yeah, this was kind of in between that, but in you between, had like, yeah, yeah, you kind of had that in between going on. Um. And the police really were in that first wave, the end of that first wave. Mm, uh, mm. And Duran Duran, they were sam they were definitely sandwiched in there, is what I'll say. Mm. So, um, yeah. But uh, again, I think I have a pretty good main event type matchup uh, with Back and Black and Fifty One Fifty and Van Halen. Oh yeah. Uh, I think I Black think, and Black will win it, but um, I think Black and Black will kill it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see that Van Halen fans come out for this one. And we, you know, we have yeah. like Van Halen and Van Hagar in this. So well, they'd have to be Hag Van Hagar fans. Yeah. They're going to be the Van Hagar fans going to come out. And I don't think there's as many Van Hagar fans as Van Halen fans. Oh, fan. Well, we got to have fans. Yeah. What we got to have is 51 50 win and 1984 win and have them go up against each other. Somehow. It'll be, it'll be a good, yeah, it would be an epic matchup, let me tell you. So, yeah, I mean, so you should see the winner of the Peter Gabriel Duran Duran match by mm. the time the show airs live with that. Mm, so mm, uh, mm. we're not going to influence the vote in any way, but votes, no, have come in, no. votes have come in since we've actually started this show, is what I'll just say. So, well, yeah, because uh, Coop and I were talking about one matchup 
and how it was before we started the show to where we started the show, it completely changed around. So yeah, in, in a matter of minutes, and it was uh, yeah. and it wasn't close, and then it kind of just really flipped. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Yep. Yep. So right. now we got. So now we, we got... have the 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 Ryan Leaf. Um... This, all right. This was. <laughs> um, oh no! Thriller, the first overall pick, <laughs> top seed in the tournament. I knew that John no. created a big matchup with this one. Uh, I thought this was going to be a tough matchup for Michael Jackson. Master of Puppets by Metallica. It was it was probably the best matchup I've seen in the history of the tournament. And mm. it, it looked like it was going to go maybe to a tiebreaker. Then it yep. looked like Michael Jackson was going to pull it out. Oh. And, then and then Metallica came on in, nope. in the last hours of this thing. And, and swung yeah. the vote. It was the most votes ever outside the championship match. So a lot of people came out to vote for this matchup. <laughs> so Metallica, I think, is dangerous in this tournament because a lot of Metallica people came out to vote. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, that's, yeah. Listen, the other thing I'll say is I thought John made a colossal mistake picking Thriller as the first pick. <laughs> I, I He went on album sales. He underestimated that backlash on Michael Jackson. Yes, I would have. I I don't think Thriller. I don't think any of us. I don't know if you would have picked Thriller in the first round. I wouldn't pick Thriller in the first round. No, if it was available. Yeah. No. I mean, I I would have picked what Hector picked. I would have picked Purple Rain. I would have picked Purple Rain. I mean, for sure, Purple Rain. I mean, Purple. I had it. Purple Rain, Back in Black, one two for me. So that um, was what I was going it, with that. See, I had Back in Black a little bit lower. I went. I went Purple Rain, Appetite. I mean, I had Thriller way down there. To be, Thriller was more of a value buy if I got to it, but. Right, if and I could have got thrown in the second the, round, I would have got yeah. it, yeah. It was just because of the backlash, but you know, like you look at his matchup, I mean, maybe Thriller would have won against uh, Pre-Hate Machine, because they're two quite different styles, I, so maybe. I, I thought that's what he should have did. I mean, I honestly, I don't, I'm not trying to, I probably would have had Master Puppets as a, four, a three or four uh, as up there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he get, look, it's his, that's that's part of the strategy here. Um, yeah. It's so there's no one, there's no wrong answer. Oof. I mean, I remember one year I put Pink Floyd nine and I just didn't oh, see. Didn't I, said, I put it win. nine because I didn't yeah. think it was going to have resonate with today's audience. And I was and it wrong. Just, it just ran. Yeah, yeah it just ran. I, uh, so, yeah. I mean, Master of Puppets could run. I mean, it's the album itself, since Stranger Things is in a very bit of a, a bit of a revival at the yeah. moment anyway. Yeah. Um, so I could see that. I could see that moving. Mm-hmm. But Master Puppets moves on. Uh, the other matchup was another interesting one. Again, it was another kind of uh, I think it was a little bit of an upset here. Maybe yeah. not so much, but but it was a good four or five matchup. Yeah, four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't totally surprised. I think, as we all lo really think, it takes Nation of Millions to hold us back is a phenomenally good hip hop album. It's not. I mean, Fear of a Black Planet is the one that everybody thinks of with Public Enemy. So. There's that was not a, a that huge that was on that one. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I'm not totally surprised, but that one because that one wasn't the '80s. So I'm not. Yeah, like you said, like I'm not totally surprised, but um, I mean, good close matchup. Yeah, you know, I just thought maybe Bon Jovi had lost some of the the swagger, mm. and, and you know, people aren't really into Bon Jovi anymore. But uh, that's the record, though. Like, if you pick one, Bon Jovi. It's record, the, oh yeah, it's it's one. a. It was a monster record in 87. 87 was a good year. You know, uh, you know, mm. Guns and Roses around that time. And mm. um, 
but yeah, now now Slipper and Web goes and plays Master of Puppets. So a metal and a hairband be... we have again. Ooh, I don't I think Master I Master of Puppets. I, I think you're right. I mean that could take that. That could take and it. Then, uh, yeah, it could win his bracket. I, I mean, picked London Calling to win the bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean that's a good call. Yeah. The question is will that will that will will the clash carry I get with some of the Brit bands not doing as well? We'll see. Oh, it's, I mean, just just the just Sensei's like ability to mobilize for it alone. Yeah, yeah, he was happy. It, I had them picked as a final four team or final I mean, four band. Gotta, yeah. Eric's got to got to yeah. mobilize the people for London. Oh, calling. look, we were talking about it. On, he was on the show Thursday, and I told him I stayed away from you too, and 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 the Rolling Stones this time. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere with those guys this time because I got burned. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. It'll be so that'll be interesting how Joshua Tree does then. It it will be yeah. Now this other matchup, this was a surprise to me. I got to be honest with you. I I had Iron Maiden mm. beating ZZ Top, but ZZ Top kind of went to an easy victory on this one. Yeah, it was the first surprising. metal band to go out. Yeah, that uh, that that margin is surprising. That was surprising. Yeah, uh, I didn't I know ZZ Top was so popular. You know, that's the album. You know, that's the album uh, mm. Legs. That's the album with Legs and everything. Yeah. That's it. You know, and I, I feel, well, they're not a hair band. They're a beard band. That's what I'll say. Beard band, that's <laughs> they're right. a beard band. I'm not going to count that. Kind of, like, kind of a classic Rocky type band, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But but that was a surprise to me by the margin. For mm. sure. Well, yeah, um, sure. Because I thought Iron Maiden would, 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 would take that one. Yeah. Yeah. Or it'd be closer anyway. Yeah, be closer. I mean, so without that, John's bracket's been the biggest surprise to me. I mean, even how they've they've phased you know, again. Uh, just that first matchup uh, was was just it was fun to watch that down the wire. So uh, mm. I thought for sure we were heading for a tiebreaker with that one because sometimes the votes tail off the last few hours. Yeah, but yeah. Th the opposite happened. There was a surge of votes that happened. Um, and usually what I'll do is I'll, I'll, when I see it's closed, I'll kind of make sure it's at the top of the Twitter feed again. So people see it. Um, but that's something that happens too. So, um, but yeah, that was a big, big match. And, and the one thing I'll just watch with that is do the Metallica fans continue to come out for this? That's mm. going to be the big question with they last year. They didn't, you know, what's funny. I had, I had the black album last year. Yes. If I think if we had done 90s this year, I might have had a better mm. chance against Hector because of the whole Drew Estate factor now involved. Yeah. That and, some and people it's a little more mobilized with our audience. Yeah. And like I said, that album, that album itself had a big moment with Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a bit. And Metallica has a new album coming out. Now, the album's not good, but it's coming out. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows? Yep. Agree. Um. So we'll see. We yeah, have to so keep voting, guys, and there's prizes out there. So we'll be voting. You know, this will probably be taking us into early next month when we'll have the uh, championship. Oh yeah. I mean, I was looking at your uh, Battle of the Bands review here. Hair and metal, strong, doing strong, which isn't surprising because this is sort of like the heyday for hair and metal. So some of the most iconic albums come out in this decade. Right, right. That's true. I think you know, metal was kind of starting to go a little more mainstream. And you had the whole L.A. rock scene really emerge yeah. in that time, too. Um, the women not doing well. Also, not totally surprising. Um, I would say historically, I mean, the women make a lot of gains in 
pop in the 80s, but really don't come into their own and do well commercially. Like, well, I mean, Madonna did well and stuff, but and Whitney did well. But like the 90s, though, which yeah. is where you get the Lilith Fair and you get, I mean, that's where Alanis did really well in the tournament. And yeah, you had Alanis went to the final four and you had another, uh, I forget who the other one was that did pretty well for you in the 90s last year. Lauren Hill might have won one. Lauren Hill won a matchup. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I remember year one, you had Aretha go win a couple of rounds. Yeah. Um, and Aretha's Aretha, obviously. That was just when we did artists back then with that. Yeah. So, I just don't think the 80s is a kind decade to women artists. Yeah. And, and also, to be fair, there were only two that would, and because again, I think everyone knew they it wasn't a kind, yeah. you know, so we stayed away from that. Hector actually went with Madonna. Um, yeah, and I think Madonna could. I mean, it was a matchup with Madonna. I think. I don't think she's. Oh, I, I I definitely agree with you on that. Um, I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, because you had Lauren Hill did win a matchup last year. So. And yeah. <laughs> Alana said um, Alana went to the final four. Hip hop in some trouble. Coop has ah. We got we got to wait and see how NWA does. Yeah, that's gonna be the I think the X factor. But NWA has a uh, NWA is. Who's NWA point, um, matched up against? It is. Oh, it's like George uh, Michael. Yeah, George, Mi- which is not going to be a gimme for NWA. No, but I think that'll show how hip hop will do because that was probably the biggest hip hop album that came out. Yeah. In that decade. Yeah, I mean, I consider uh, BC Roy's more rap than hip hop. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, hip hop, like the golden age of hip hop, is really the '90s. Yeah. So you kind of. At the like, you know, all the iconic. Ra- I mean, I mean, Dre went to the almost beat Nirvana, like almost took the thing yeah. out. So yeah, you're and, really and looking it, at the '90s for for strong hip hop stuff. Yeah, and again, I think if like you, we were talking, if "Raising Hell" was the Run DMC album picked by Hector. I think it might have been a different result. I think it should have been that album. Yeah. Anyway, hey. hey. Hector got Purple Rain, so it's all sort of uh, academic. I, I think Purple that. Rain could be beaten, but I think it's going to be hard. Oof. Yeah. I'll, I'll be interested in that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, filler gone. Yep. So, yeah, so, and, and, yeah, so we'll see what's happening with that. Um. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah. go out and vote, guys. Uh, we're going to have to yeah, continue running this. Yep. Because they change, they change. You can vote in each matchup. You retweet it. I, I capture. Oh, you got to retweet. Don't, don't reply. Retweet. I want because part of it, I want to expose the the battle to a lot of people. So yeah, a reply yeah, yeah. will not be eligible. It has to be a retweet. Because if you retweet, oh, then yeah. we get more people. It helps us get more people to vote. That's why we incentivize the prizes more that way. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um. Uh, so, yeah, the reviews are back up. There should be a review by the time you read this. Now that i am got some work stuff done, back to reviews on the site. Yep. Uh, if there's anything you want to see on the site and want us to do, email at cigarjukebox at gmail.com. You can do that. Um, one thing. Now, I don't know. There's Death in Music. I don't know if this is a big American thing. Um, it's pretty big here. But there's a group, a UK group called S Club 7 in the 2000s. And they're like a British teen pop group, sort of like, uh, sort of like your Backstreet Boys, except there's both with uh, women and men in the group. But that's sort of like, um, kind of like teen pop group. 
uh, that they did really well. They were pretty big in the 2000s in the in the UK. I mean, they might have had one or two hits in the US, but uh, Paul Kettermol died, uh, who was one of the founding members, um, and he was only 46 or something. Wow. Um, and they were about to do a uh, reunion tour, um, which is unfortunate. But, um, but yeah, they're pretty big in the UK and stuff, so Want to give a, a shout out to Paul and uh, S Club Seven with their the track I chose is S Club Party, which is sort of played everywhere. But it's like your classic sort of early two thousands teen pop band coop. You know what I mean? Like no yeah, one yeah played, played instruments and it's sort of in your Spice Girls sort of Backstreet Boys vein. Yeah, I, I've heard I've heard you know obviously I've heard of S Club um and because I, I follow the Australian music scene a lot. Um, mm. just because there's a lot of artists I am interested in. So, yeah, and I find a lot of U.S. people don't know <clears throat> about Australian artists. You know, even this morning, we, I was on KMA. Abe, Abe didn't even know who Kylie Minogue was. I was shocked. Oh, Abe. How you done? Yeah, I mean, that, I said, Abe, that's someone who's, like, internationally known. That's I understand right. some of the Australian artists may not be known, but that, I was surprised on that. But, you know, go figure. But, yeah, so, so and that's pretty recent. I think that was a couple of days ago. Yeah, it was a few happened. days ago, so, yeah. Shout out to S Club. Absolutely. Um, and shout out to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Coop. Yeah, uh, I just want to kind of quickly show the fan vote because uh, this is ending at the end of the month. Uh, and just kind of curious, you know, I think that I, I'm more fascinated by it than anything, so I'll just kind of put it up here. Um, and as for folks that don't know, the the fan oh, vote good on George Michael. The fan vote gives one ballot to uh the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of like hundreds, right? That's so, so it, crazy. However. The five, the top five, get on that ballot, right? Last year, the top five all got in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Yeah. Dave, I cannot figure Warren Zevon out for the life of me. There has no. to be, there has to be robot voting going on here, and and I, I, I'm, I'm suspicious of it. Okay, because I was watching the votes at like one time, two in the morning, and a lot of I refresh it, and the votes come in, like. They keep coming in. I'm mm. like, something's weird about this. Like people, I know, like maybe people internationally are voting, but I would say it's mostly U.S. Who's vo- who's putting in like a couple hundred votes in like a ten minute span overnight? So man, I, I don't know. I because I can look nothing against Warren Zevon. I think you know critically, he's he's a genius, right? But I I just can't see people. Oh, it's got to be Warren Zevon. I mean, I just don't see this one. Happening. Yeah, this one's. I see George Michael. I can see Cindy Lauper. They have big followings. I can see Iron Maiden. Um, but yeah, you look down here. Is Soundgarden's kind of been holding on to this? Uh, yeah, Willie Nelson. I don't know about Soundgarden. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they get in, but you could see uh, some of these other votes here. And uh, you know, Kate Bush is on the outside. She's not. Gonna, I would say Willie Nelson's the only one that has the chance at the top five at this point. Yeah, I would agree to that. Yeah, but the. Uh, Oh, tri- tribe not doing tribe well has at not all. been doing well. Yeah, neither of the white stripes are Missy. Man, I thought Missy would have a little more support here. Mm. Um, I am not surprised about Cheryl Crow in ninth place. Well, I mean, if you look at who's winning, right? Like, if you know, I don't think your Ward Zevon voters are like, oh, I can't wait for you know, voting Missy Elliott or whatever. Yeah, but so I don't know. Warren Zevon. I mean, they have half a million votes. I mean, I'm just it's very suspicious to me. I'm not saying that 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 the ballots are being fixed, 
But um, it's possible it's some robot voting. Now, they do make you use an email and everything, so I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's there is. I a, don't know. Yeah, but something's weird about this. Um, And we'll see, because, again, the voting ends the end of the month. I think the induction announcements will be in May. Okay. I, I will be shocked if George Michael is not in. I mean, that's the one. Well, I, I, think, be, yeah. I think we both said, yeah. So, uh, but you can check out our show that we did on that, and we go through all these artists in detail. Mm, mm. Soundgarden is surprising. Soundgarden well, is surprising. Holding on to a fifth place, yeah. Uh, oh, you got tons of cigar news here. Kurt. Yeah, th there's been a lot. Um, so let me just tell you the first thing is um, if we have our website www.cigarbigboard.com. Uh, if you go to it, I'll just pop it up quickly. Uh, this is the this is where I put up. Um, who's going to the trade show? And um, all right, it's not working. <laughs> oh, Coop, what happened? Let's try it again. Okay, there it goes. Okay, I must have the the button must not be working right. Um, but yeah, this is like who's going, and then we'll be putting the products in here, and, and we'll be updating that uh over the next ninety days before the trade show. So mm -hmm. uh, if you want to see who's going to the trade show, I think this is pretty accurate right now. So, uh, okay. The big news, and I'll just kind of jump ahead. Uh, the big news is Scandinavian Tobacco Company uh, is going back. Mm. Uh, they now now they have two they have two divisions. They have General and Forged. It's the Forged products mm. that are going, and they they include Alec Bradley in Room One Hundred and One, as well as Gloria Cubana, Partagas, and Diesel, yeah. and a few others. So it's that side of the and the Forged side is a newer side, so I can kind of understand them going back. Um, they are taking the Alec Bradley booth space, which kind of makes some okay. sense. But yep. I, I don't think this was a case. I think this is more of a case they're ready to commit back to the trade show. I think they're really uh, – so I think you're going to see them back at the show. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, they made a joint announcement with the PCA, and uh, I think next year you'll see General there for sure. Mm. So, so yeah, so some news there. And then um, on the other piece uh, – so, Espinosa cigars. Yeah, have, now I've seen these. Yeah, they have, they are releasing limited edition cigars under the six hundred one line, the six hundred one orange and the six hundred one yellow. And I've smoked the six hundred one yellow. These oh. were these were stealth cigars. Okay, and what stealth cigars are is oh. they were released back in two thousand sixteen when everyone was releasing cigars prior to the really? FDA predicate date. So yeah, these oh. got out like in a very limited fashion to some stores. And the intent was at some point down the line, Espinosa was going to release these. And they've been waiting for a time um, to do it, and, and they have done it. Um, I cannot wait to smoke that yellow again. I thought it was an unbelievable blend. The orange has a Brazilian Habano wrapper, and the yellow has a Mexican San Andreas. Very bold Mexican mm. San Andreas. Uh, mm. So I am very excited about those cigars. Nice. I mean, in that... I mean, the whole 601 line, what they have, the black, the blue, they have a green, and yeah, orange they have, and yellow. Yeah, and they have the Labamba, which I guess is also yellow, but it's not called yellow. Mm -hmm. And then Warhead's technically under that, too. But yeah. Warhead's, like, its own animal. Uh, so, so Hector said these are limited. They're not going to be ongoing production, and I hope he changes his mind about that yellow, because if that yellow still smokes as good as it was, um, people are in for a treat. Mm. I haven't had the orange, but I had the yellow, like I said. And I've been I've been asking Hector must be for six years when these when it was coming out. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, 
So good job by Espinoza. Uh, I will definitely be getting procuring some of those for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that'll be very nice. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, and it's interesting. I have to get your. Yeah, fist I just saw all I saw was pictures of them. I haven't heard much about them. Um. Yeah, like I said, I've smoked the, but again, I smoked the yellow six years ago. Yeah. When it had that very limited release. And uh, the one of the stores that in Miami had it, and, and I got it, and it was very good. I didn't think we'd have to wait mm. six years for it. No. But, but, you know, they've had a lot of, you know, other stuff's happened over time with them. And, uh, you know, uh, now they thought the time was right to release it. So, but you'll be getting your uh, Guy Fieri 55s coming uh, with, with your package on Monday. So I have that on the list as well. Oh, that'll be very good. Yep. I uh No, so that's no, I'm excited for that. Um and then Coop. Not to forge ahead, but developing palettes Aaron likes a cigar. You know, every time we hear that, it's like that's big news when Aaron likes a cigar. Um you know what's interesting about this one is we had it was a black and M eighty one, okay, in the Robusto. Aaron and I smoked Toros on the show we had with the distiller and Aaron was high on that Toro. And I, I was surprised. Mm. I was surprised on that. So I wasn't totally surprised when he liked the Robusto. Right. Yeah, I was, well, I was, I'm surprised when they like any of them to be honest, but yeah, yeah, I am too. But he, <laughs> the fact he actually liked the Toro, you know, I was like, okay, you know, maybe there's hope, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah but yeah, it was, um, I want to say uh, June actually was the highest on it. Mm. Uh, Seth and Surgeon were were a little more indifferent. Aaron still gave it an average, but it was a six point one, which is probably top twenty five material for Aaron. Yeah, when you, I when would you get say. over when you get over six, uh, it's very good for for Aaron in that case. Oh, definitely. I think he just gave. Yeah, he's more more your fives and uh, low fives. Yeah, like Aaron, you could count good. on a five six five five three zero. Oh, you know, that's what I tend to see from Aaron. Uh, when you're over six with Aaron, you've hit you you've hit it you've hit him uh, where he likes it. Mm. And if you get over seven, you're in cigar of the year territory with him. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah, uh, but, but no, you, they're all, they're all pretty positive on it. I think. Yeah, yeah, but Seth wasn't high on it. Uh, no. Well, and Surgeon actually called it a pass as well. Mm. So, uh, but June was the highest on. He really liked it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get some back and do a Metallica show. Yep. Yeah, we uh, we have to do that Metallica show. I know we, and that's coming in your package as well. But uh, I think I saw. I think Neptune has them again. So they're they're coming. They're restocking. Yeah, I mean they're producing them. I think Drew State got a little behind the eight ball with that, uh, for sure. So Coop, before we hit into like what the actual topic is, what are you smoking? All right, um, I'm smoking a new cigar from HVC. It's the Selection mm. Number One Natural. Um, so the Selection Number One actually was recently reviewed on Developing Palettes, but it was the Maduro that that was reviewed. Um, and it's a very strong cigar is what I'll just tell you. Um, it's probably one of the boldest cigars I've had from HVC with that. 
Uh, this is a new one. This is the natural, and the natural is meant to be a little more dialed back um, than you know the um, than the uh, than that original Maduro one. I'm, and mm. I'm but uh, nonetheless, uh, actually, the development palace guys were very high on that uh, original one that came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I've actually uh, got a recommendation from this from Stogie Santa. Uh, this is being made at the HBC Cigar Factory, and it uses a Habano wrapper. And, and the thing that, like, like Stogie Sander and I were talking about is HBC. I think the one thing they've been a little deficient on with their blends has been their Habanos. But he's okay. very high on this yeah. cigar, so I'm going to toast right. this one up right now. This is the this is the uh, size they call the Puerto the Poderosos, which is six by fifty four Toro. Oh wow! Okay. Um, yep. So I'm pretty excited about this. Um. And uh, we will have some thoughts as, as we as I toast this thing up right now. Yeah, I've seen I've had the Maduro, which I really liked. I it's strong. It's a strong that. cigar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, like I said, I think you know this a lot of a uh, lot of positive feedbacks come on this cigar. Mm. So uh, look forward to uh, this smoking experience here. So I have the uh, Drew State Dogma with Dojo. Yep. Now this dogma, this is not an original. This is like when they re-released it. Uh-huh. Uh but the reason I picked it is because the theme of today is sort of bands that have had three hit records in a row. Um and I picked the dogma because if you look at I looked at Dojo's releases, mm -hmm. and it was like the dogma, then the sarsaparilla, then the throwdown. That was uh, great to the, the Dojo Throwdown oh. was really good. I remember that. It was very good. Uh, and then the Whiskey Rebellion. So this cigar sort of kicks off four big hits for Dojo. Yeah. I mean, those are some four, those are some of his biggest cigars. Now I'm a huge fan of the of the Camacho Stout Barrel Aged. But... I am too. I am too. I know Aaron wasn't high on it. I was high on that. Oh, I thought that, that was cigar. I thought that was one of the best ones they did. Oh. And, yeah. And you and I were talking in the green room. So Eric and I have a little difference of opinion on this dogma. I like that mm. thing fresh out of the box. I think it smokes fantastic fresh out of the box. Eric thinks it smokes better with a lot of age on it. So mm. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think it's up to what you just prefer. Um, yep. I think the good news, I, I didn't think it wasn't lacking. Um, no, certainly with the age. But you know what it is? I just didn't think it captured like that fresh out. of. I think that's one I just loved cracking open the box of and, and get. And mm. I did. It was a pack back then. Yeah, uh, I thought yeah, it, was, it was. Yeah, so I think they. Uh, I think that was a that blend uh, is based off the Corona Viva blend too in the box press, and mm. they did a great job on that. Uh, those guys. So yeah, so this sort of fits the theme. I'm even using my uh, my Dojo cutter here, Coop. Look at that. Yeah, I'm waiting for the Coop cutters from Joe Grow. Ooh. By the way, that's why you don't have them yet. I have mine, but uh, I so have it's mine. A it's a Dojo uh, show. But, yeah, uh, it, yeah, exactly. But uh, stay tuned on that. And that throwdown, that was a good, that was a great cigar, that throwdown. Remember they had the, uh, remember they had so the throwdown um, versus the Cigar Federation? What was it, Cigar Federation? The Sig Feds throwdown, yeah. So yeah, they had the and, two throwdown, yeah. And Logan got mad at me because I said the Dojo one was better. Well, it is better. Yeah. Um, that, uh, well, but that was a great, but it's it sort of kicked off all those great, so much yeah. like these albums. There it is. There's a coop cutter. So that's what I'm Ooh. waiting for for you. I, 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 people got theirs before. I, Joe Girl gave some contest people before I even got mine. So I'm waiting. <laughs> so I'll have to bug him on those. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I'm excited to light this up. I've had 
the original and then had you know the 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 re-releases but yeah. uh but it's a great cigar and yeah and they did the sun they did the sun grown this year and maybe the last sun grown they do for a while from what i'm hearing yeah i haven't had the sun grown it's good it's good i think they did a good job it's, it's also box pressed mm. they then and but, i like that they put in some nice boxes now the, the mm. um, yeah uh, good good good, the... good for eric um you know congratulations when when you get something that Drew State Down looks at and they make it an annual release or oh, you know, yeah. uh that's 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 you did something right there. So good job. Oh man, this thing out of the gate is just wow. Beautiful. Whoa. Oh creamy, wow. So creamy, yeah. Wow. You are okay. This I is gotta good. try this. Holy cow. We'll, get a, we'll have to only a little bit in, but but it, when I get a first impression like this. Coop's losing it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I gotta yeah. try this cigar. Yeah. We will we'll have more reports. I can't say it may may change down the line. Well, Aaron will say it's average, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not going to come back to it. it. Yeah, I'm not coming back to it. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're doing three hit records in a row. So yes. Coop brought this up. I think we're talking about it on a show. Yep. Um, and I'm like, oh wow, that's really interesting. And I started thinking of bands, and I'm like, I got to research this. And so for the next like couple weeks at night i would just sit back with a cigar be online listening to music and typing stuff up and made my own little list and it's extremely interesting yep um it's interesting because like bands that you think would be on it aren't uh and, and there's some records on here that you wouldn't think did that well that actually did quite well so it's yeah. very it, it's really interesting and 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 i told coop this so i didn't put any beatles stones or zeppelin because Same it's here. not even like like Zeppelin, yeah. for we've example, done, like yeah, we we Zeppelin's we can, dip album was like twelve million sales. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about that too, and uh, you know, look, we've covered Zeppelin a lot. Um, yeah, we've done album archaeology. We haven't done a Beatles album in archaeology. That's something we may want to look at doing. But yeah, you know, I, mean, I think hey, the definitely. Beatles, the Beatles are in a separate category completely. So, so I agreed with that. We 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 stayed away from it. We're not trying to offend the. Uh, no, we just want. We just want to bring up bands that maybe like you don't think of off the top of your yeah. head. Yeah, like there's one I have that I don't think anyone would suspect it may be the most successful at, at this. <laughs> one no, I it. saw that. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, the, really, the most successful is Led Zeppelin because it's insane. Well, but, yeah, of uh, the others, of the others, yeah, 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 of the others, yeah, yeah. But no, it's um, it's quite good, and it's interesting when you look at the album. So I'm very yeah. interested to do it. Yeah. Um. So do you have any other first thoughts, Coop? Yeah. So first of all, I want to say this is a much more challenging exercise than you think. Okay. When you go through this, right? And sometimes you sometimes you could think of when you get to that third album, it didn't do as well. And in some cases, the album didn't do well, but maybe after the artist passed passed away or something like that, it had a surge with some things. Um, I tried to take that into consideration um, when I looked at things historically. Now I use triple platinum as the guideline. I did not hardcore make it triple platinum so mm -hmm. there's some cases where i said that ours might have a triple platinum album but it paled in comparison to their other stuff right so it's not really cons and, and and sometimes that happens when there's like a residual like people will buy initially yeah an album because they like the previous album and then it fizzles out because it doesn't get airplay or it just doesn't kind of connect with singles so i i I tried to put that into play as well with this. And and but I did use triple platinum as the starting point is what I said. Right. With this. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of others where I said, you know what? 
it was so I think there's one I may have that's a double platinum mixed in there, which was so close. Um, so I kind of included that as well. But for the most part, I, I stuck with triple platinum as the guideline. Yeah. Yeah. And I, then um, I looked at how it was received, yeah. obviously, too. It was a good album. Yeah, I kind of like did a bit of both. So I looked at sales, but also its reception and its impact. So like yeah. if it was critically received, but made it sell as well, like, oh, OK, well, that'll bump it up. Um, yeah, or if it was like had a huge impact, I'm like, oh, you know, that'll bump it up. Yep. Um, so it's some of it's subjective, uh, but it's sort of like a thing too, where like if you set a record, like one of the rec- like my records on here, you'd either immediately be like, oh yeah, that's definitely a hit record, like you yep. just know it is, or it's like, well, I don't know about that one, and then you look at it sold like 18 yep. million copies or something, yep. <laughs> you're like, oh okay, um. So let's kick it off, Coop. Let's do yeah. it. I want to talk about these bands. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. All right. So I started off with Genesis. Now, I was trying to decide if I was going to do Genesis or Phil Collins, and I could have done both, but I did. I went with Genesis here. And, and Genesis did this at the end of their kind of career. So they, you know, they had a good following for a while, but they had three albums in the 80s and early 90s that kind of – it's when they made the turn to a pop band is when this mm, happened. Mm-hmm. So um, in, in, in 83, they came out with the Genesis Genesis album. Yep. Then in 86 came uh, Invisible Touch, which was yes. a, a, a monster. Yeah, now and, that's the one I think most casual Genesis fans know. Yeah, that's the one yeah. they know. Um, and then We Can't Dance was the follow-up album to it. Yes. Now, uh, now, was, I was, think, that a, bigger. was there a few years in between those two? Five years. Do you know, Coop? Yeah, Five yeah, years. yeah, yeah. Yeah, because so I remember uh, I'm, I remember when that album came out, it was a big deal that it was yeah, coming out. Yeah, because what they were doing in this point, uh, if they get together as Genesis and then Phil would do his solo stuff and Mike would do Mike and the Mechanics and then they would come back together. Mm. Then they kind of did that again. Um. And did the same thing again. I think with, with We Can't Dance, which was a five-year, they took a little time off, though, uh, yep. with that. So I think it was like uh, Phil was doing movies back. That's when Phil was getting into the movies and stuff. So All right. Uh, then, then, they, then, then Phil leaves the band. They come out with a uh, – they come out – they bring another singer in who – I'm going to say it was a really good singer. And I thought the album was good, but the album bombed. It was called Calling All Stations. And they brought a guy yes. named Ray Wilson in. Great album, but, but bombed. I couldn't put that in. So those were my three albums I had. And I went with songs I think that most people know from these albums. Mm. Uh, so from Genesis, That's All was the song I picked. I think that's the one that got a lot of mainstream airplay. And people heard the name Genesis maybe for the first time listening to, like, I think that's one of my, you know, like, you know, you, you listen to, like, a pop station. You're hearing Genesis. And if you weren't a progressive person, you probably hadn't heard of Genesis. Yeah. Then, then Invisible Touch. I picked the title song. I oh, love the, that yeah. song live. That song's better live than on the album. Uh, it's but but again, that was a num that was their number one hit. That was our only number one hit. And then off We Can't Dance, I picked a song called Jesus He Knows Me, and that was kind of a parody of all the television evangelists, which that yeah. was, during that period was uh, Jim Baker and all those things, Tammy Faye and all that. So that was a little bit of a parody. And Genesis was good at parodies. They loved doing parodies. Mm. They did one on the Genesis album called Illegal Aliens. So they liked doing that type of stuff there. Um, mm. 
and they even did a video for on the Invisible Touch album for Land of Confusion, uh, and used the spitting image puppets. So they they liked po- poking fun oh, yeah, at yeah, parody yeah, yeah. a lot. But I think those three, I mean, they were they were big selling albums, all three of them. So, oh uh, yeah, yeah. So th- that's that was my first pick. Nice. I think. Sorry, I had a, a sip of my bang there. Yep. Um, I think that I love that that band's in there because I don't think people think of Genesis as doing the three in a row because they forget about that first record. They they think of Invisible Touch and We Can't Dance, but they don't they forget about that first record. It, that first album did very very well. I want to say mm. that one mm. may have just missed triple platinum, but it still was. Mm. I mean, again. For a uh, for a progressive rock band, um, yeah, um, to do like kind of they would have really I think of the progressive rock bands, they probably were the um the first to cross over into that, and I'm just looking up the album sales on this one here, um, and uh, they actually sold four million albums of that one, so mm. and and I, I yeah so I mean it wasn't a it was a big enough hit in my book that was four million in the U S by the way. Yeah. Um. So, so that's why I had it in there. Like, they sold a lot of albums, Genesis, with mm. that. Uh, as did Phil. I mean, as did Phil Collins. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Phil Collins uh, sold quite a bit of albums too. Um. Uh, and I'll just say that Invisible Touch sold six million albums. So that one even mm. topped the previous one. And I think We Can't Dance. If I'm going to pull it up, it had four million as well. So pretty good. Not yeah, much. So, drop th- off. That, that's yeah. That's fourteen million albums in three. That's pretty good for a band like that. And that was the end of their career, really. After that, as far as producing. Yeah, albums. yeah, yeah. I uh, I have Rihanna as my first one. <laughs> I wasn't surprised. And there's an interesting when I look at Rihanna, and I mean the sales are like unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, like the lowest album is six million, and. I looked at so I looked at the, she has a definite structure just to, to pushing her record. So yep. we start with Good Girl Gone Bad, which is probably the record that really broke. I mean, the, the records did a bit well before then, but it's probably the one most people know because you have Umbrella on that record. Then you go to Rated R with the biggest track is Rude Boy. Loud. Biggest track uh, is only only girl in the world. And then talk that talk that sold six million, and you're like, oh, I don't know that I haven't heard much about that record. Well, that had we found love featuring Calvin Harris on it, mm-hmm. is on that record. And then unapologetic had diamonds, and then anti had work, which also features Drake on it. And they all so they all were huge sellers and got, had a lot of critical acclaim. Um, and I found the structure coop, and I think I don't know if it's a product of how music is marketed now or i mean it probably was always how music was marketed but like all of these records have one gigantic single yeah so out of all the singles i just mentioned i think they all have like hundreds of millions of downloads and so they had like these album sales are really driven by these singles i mean some of the most of the records have another like you know popular single on it but not the monster that i mean it's basically like a greatest hits record that i just read off yeah so yeah so it's interesting because it seemed like the structure to drive all these sales where where it was the albums were sort of centered around these monster hits um and then the the hit like drove the drove the album it sort of seems like yeah 
Um, and like I said, I mean, Rihanna has what? So what? I think we talked about last time, like 250 million or something. Yeah. I mean, 300 million. Probably challenge Beyonce. It's pretty good. So, yeah. So, no. So I picked uh, I picked Rihanna. Now, the early Rihanna stuff I don't have on here. So I started with because it's all relative. I sort of started with uh, with um, Good Girl Gone Bad just because like that's we start getting into like the stratospheric, you know, numbers. Yep. But yeah, go Rihanna. You won't be surprised with my next two, to be honest. No, I won't. <laughs> what well, I'm trying to think. Well, so how many year period was that? Um, I want to say it's about is it about fourteen years for Rihanna. Years? Yeah, it's a fair amount of time. Now the the anti was six years ago. Yeah. When was um? Let's see when um. When um. Uh, Good Girl Gone Bad was. I think that was early two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. So yeah, it'd be about it'd be about. So that was six years ago. Yep. It would be yeah, about fourteen years, yep. twelve, fourteen years, some of that. Yep. Ooh, and hopefully she'll put out another one, Coop. I'm waiting. We had singles. Like, where's the record? Where's the record? Right. Oh, right. Man. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we. I know you're waiting on that one, actually. But yeah, that's a you know when we get when you get when you start to get into over three, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. You're at six. Um, for you want to know why the NFL put her on the Super Bowl halftime <laughs> that's show? That's why. Listen, there's, there's she's got a following out there. Yes, and and that's that's smart. That's a smart move by the NFL with that. Now your next one, I was surprised. Surprised about these albums? Yeah. Well, okay. yeah. To be honest, okay. when I throw the numbers out there and and what these albums accomplished, I think you'll you'll see it. Yeah. Um. So I'll say this: this was an artist that I only think in his he's had a bunch of albums, but mm. I I think this is the only point in his career he had the the the, the triple, uh, mm. the three in a row. And it's Billy Joel. Nice. Um. So the album in '77, The Stranger comes out. Um. A that was the breakthrough album for Billy Joel. So that was the one that, you know, it really put him on the map. I mean, he had had with Piano Man, he had some, uh, he had some, mm. you know, obviously he had some, uh, what's the word? He got some popularity, but it was The Stranger. And this is where he brought in, when he brought Phil Ramone in as his producer. And that's when Billy Joel had the most success is when Phil Ramone, uh, he worked with Phil Ramone here. Um, mm. This was an 11 million selling album. It was huge. Wow. It was huge mm. for him. Um, it won him a record of the year on this with, with just the way you are. I mean, and song of the year, mm. but was getting the critical acclaim as well as the commercial success. Yep. What does he do? A couple of years later, he comes out with 52nd street. Um, it sold 7 million albums. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, it actually came out a year later, 78, it came out. So it, it sold 7 million albums and won the Grammy for album of the year that year. So a big, a big one for him on that with seven million. Then in 1980, he comes out probably with his most controversial album uh, because it was a big it marked a big change for him. He kind of got away from that piano core and he went a little more to a a, a more of a pop and new wave yeah. type of thing. And it was Glass Houses. Uh, Glass Houses. I, I like Glass, Glass Houses. Glass Houses, a great album. And it sold seven million it sold 7 million albums as well. 
and had five singles off of it. Okay, uh, it was a it was a big big hit for Billy Joel. Nylon Curtain comes out the year a couple years later. I don't I don't think it it yeah. continued, but critically, I'll say it's a great album. It just yes, yeah, yeah I like Nylon Curtain as well. I do too, but it didn't have. I mean, it wasn't close to. I want to say Nylon Curtain was maybe only a two million one, right? But it wasn't close to this three. You know, it was just, it was a drop off at that point. Uh, yeah. So that's why I didn't include it. And then then he comes out with Innocent Man, which kind of he bumps back yeah, up yeah, with yeah, Innocent yeah, Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but again, I think this is one where he had a bump in, in, as far as things go with that. Um, so I picked three songs off the albums. Uh, I picked first of all one of my favorite Billy Joel song is on the Stranger. It's Vienna. I mm. I absolutely I love that song. It's 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 a Mount Rushmore song for me with Billy Joel. Um, I just love everything about that song. If maybe I've never been to Vienna, but I fall in love with the city of Vienna because of that mm-hmm. song. It, Crossroads theme. It's a beautiful song. Mm. Uh, from Fifty Second Street, I picked My Life, which was a popular song, a really good song. It actually became yep. a television, yep, yep, yep. you know, it became a television theme song for a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was and Buddies. Yeah, that's right. Was and I Buddies. Love that it was, show. Yeah, and it, but that was after the song came. Out. I love that show. They dressed Tom Hanks was dressed up as a girl. It was hysterical. Loved it. Uh, yeah. Peter yeah. Scalera, whatever yeah. his name is. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Go. Yeah. Then Glass Houses. I picked Sometimes a Fantasy, mm. and it's exactly okay. the type of fantasy that you would think Billy Joel's having a a, uh, <laughs> right. you know, a sexually charged fantasy. It is a great song though. Uh, very different than anything he's done. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, I think this was the the one point in Billy Joel's career he had the three peat, and that's why I went for it. But I don't think he goes beyond that any other point of his career. Yeah, I guess if you, I guess for Nylon Curtain because of sales dipping, that's the dip. Um, yeah, Nylon had two yeah, million. I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I forget about the Stranger to be honest. I forgot it, about that album. Yeah, I mean, there's twenty five million albums sold between those three. Um, Glass Houses, I love the Glass Houses album. Yeah, Glass Houses. Uh, you got uh, you know, um, Awful Lena on that one. Yes. Uh, still rock and roll to me. Roll, roll to me. You yeah. May be, you, you may be right. Yeah, you Don't may be right. Me why. I love that. That song. first side. Don't ask me why. It's so good. The first side of that album is where all the singles came from too. That first side's much better than the second side, is what I'll tell you. They put all the hits nice. on the first side with that one. Yeah, it's like, oh, we gotta do a second side. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Um, no, great. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Nylon Curtain, man. Allentown is on that record. Nylon Curtain. Allentown, uh, Good Night Saigon's on that pressure. Nylon Curtain's a great... There's a song called Laura on there. It's my favorite. Don't, don't, get it don't sleep on Nylon Curtain, man. Oh, don't sleep. It's, like I said, it, it gets it for me in the critical acclaim, but it was it was too much of a drop-off from the previous three. Yeah, that's why I didn't I include it. Yeah. But don't sleep on that one. You're right. No, good. I don't think people would have thought of Billy Joel, so good for, good for that. I like that. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I know I, I didn't think of them. Um, this one surprised me when you kind of looked at the when you looked at this one here. Uh, oh, Beyonce. That was only that it was only three. Yeah, I thought this one would be more, but but yeah. So I picked Beyonce, and the next two are quite interesting in that a lot of, and we'll talk about near misses, but for Beyonce, it was pretty up and down for her first sort of four solo records. Um, they would vary in sales, like she had. Some and then some wouldn't be all that acclaimed, and then she had the Sasha Fierce thing, which was like so it was sort of it's a bit up and down, but like when you look at three sort of heavy hitting albums in a row, 
it's kind of Coop late in her career where she sort of reinvents herself. Yeah. So that starts with Beyonce, that self-titled record, um, mm-hmm. famous for just like dropping. <laughs> People are like, "What?" And that and that sort of is what kicks off the like beehive and like Beyonce being as huge as she is now. Um, so we had Beyonce and the 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 big single off that is EXO. Yep. Um, and it, it it was her sort of redefining herself. It's kind of a reboot. Um, and next is like one of the best albums ever made, which is Lemonade, which is an incredible record, um, which has Formation is the key single. She did it at the Super Bowl. It sold like a bazillion copies. Um, so she did that. And then uh, her latest album, Renaissance, which was huge. I think every song was in the top 10 at one point. Like, I think all the songs were charting. It, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um or in the top 100. All the songs are in the top 100. Um, and the, the track I chose off of that is Pure Honey, which was my uh, song of the year. Um, and yeah, so it's interesting because it's quite late in her career. Like, it's post-Destiny's Child. I didn't look at Destiny's Child sales. I, I think they sold pretty well. I'd have to really look at that. Um, but it's quite late in her career that she gets those three monster albums just, like, back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Right. And like these albums aren't just big, like they are monstrous. Yes. Uh, and so it's, it's, and it happened quite late in her career, which is just interesting. Um, when you look at, when you think of Beyonce, you're like, well, all of her albums must have sold. But really, it's just the last, I would say, 10 years or so that she's gotten as huge as she is, maybe even less, maybe like eight. Um, but yeah, so, so those are her three. And I think Coop, you'd be, I think what's surprising about it is that it's happened so late in her career, I think. Yeah. I I uh, uh I agree with you on that. It, much you know, she's in her 40s now. Yeah, I think but I think like up until then it's just like you'd have two and there'd be a dip, you'd have one and a dip and then two and it was sort of like all over. This is like these three really came together and like just were monstrous. And now I don't think she would put out anything that wouldn't sell. Um, now, but agree. But yeah, there you go, Beyonce, man. Got got those, got those three. Yep. Your, your next one. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, and this is very similar to Billy Joel. I think there was only one point in this artist's career where he has the trifecta. Uh, and it's Bruce Springsteen. Yep. Um, and. So I have the three albums, Born to Run, 7 million. Um, I do think Born to Run had a little more momentum, like a little later like in his career, too. So I it, it gave it a push. But Born yep. to Run is, 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 I think it's his second biggest selling album. Well, that's the one we talked about. The record company is one. This, this one better sell or you're done. Mm-hmm. Like there's yep. a lot of pressure on this. A record. lot of pressure with that one. He had uh, the, 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 uh, the Wild Dance and EC Suffle didn't do well beforehand mm-hmm. yeah it didn't do even though it had um rosalita on it, it it just it didn't do well uh he follows up with darkness on the edge of town which is maybe a little bit of a dip at three million but mm-hmm. i think there's some really core songs on that album you know that have been come there's so many staple songs off that right that you know uh you know when i'll talk about one in particular but but you know i think there's a lot of songs on there that, that are, are springsteen fan favorites 
So I don't consider that a, a major dip. It was a little bit of a dip. But then the interesting one was the follow-up to that, which is the river at $5 million. Now, this is what surprises me mm. about the river. That was a He's coming off an album with a slight dip, right? And he released a double album, right? That's not mm. usually a formula for success, right? No, usually, no, it's usually, not. Like, how do you? Because now you're, he, he lost a few fans with that previous one, right? But um, you're now asking them to buy a double album, and but that's how good that that's album right. was. Um, so so yeah, and then Nebraska was a miss after that. Uh, I can't say Nebraska was a hit. Then Born in the USA came, but he never had like he never had like it was up and down with the albums after that. This was yeah, the only I mean, point. Yeah. yeah, he got 15 million sales with these three. So I think it qualifies, certainly. Oh, yeah. I think Nebraska is critically acclaimed. Critically acclaimed. Like, I think it's I think it's one of his best records. But and he did, he did it with the East Street Band, too. I mean, it was him. The whole album is essentially is like super dark. Mm-hmm. Very uh, dark. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I so the sales might not be there, but critically, that album is like a like extremely it, acclaimed. It needed a little more juice to make to really yeah. kind of qualify that. Um, I can see that. Yeah, like I said, I think "Darkness from the Edge of Town" um, mm. did have that juice. Uh, it's something that people love hearing that at concerts today. Oh, um, yeah. So it's not like the forgotten album or anything like that. Uh, no. But it wasn't as the. I'll kind of put chalk that one up to that wasn't as much of a radio friendly album. Either. No. Uh, but I picked three songs. Again, I picked from Born to Run. Boy, that was tough. That was like picking your favorite children. I yeah. went with ten, I went with Tenth Avenue Freeze Out. I, I went with it. Yeah, well, you gotta. Yeah, I could have went with any of the tracks on that album. I mean, yeah, the title track, Thunder Road. Like, I mean, Jungle Land. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, but I loved I love Tenth Avenue Freeze Out. It's a staple of concerts. That's where he introduces the band. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, I love that song. Um, Darkness from the Edge of Town. Again, there's a lot of cult mm. songs on there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know I could have went with like the title track, I'll prove it all night, but I went with Badlands. Oh, that title track. Oof. Yeah, Racing in the Streets. But I went Badlands with this one. Uh, again, mm. a great concert song as well to go up, but even a great. Um, and, and with The River, this is probably going to be a surprise pick, but I really love this song. And this was kind of what Bruce started to get a little more into the pop mainstream Hungry Heart. Yeah, that's a surprise. Yeah. Holy Heart is a really good yeah, song. Good song. Uh, it's the it's the only problem with Holy Heart. It was guilty of being overplayed. Yeah, but but it's a great song when you listen to it and just listen to some of the the instrumentation in it. It's a great song. Um, and it's again some popular song. And I I could have went with a lot of other tracks off that one too. Oh yeah, oh definitely. I mean, um, and then too like. It's interesting with 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 um and we'll see this with another band. It's sort of like with Bruce Springsteen, like he gets all the success. It's sort of like cool. Now I could do this other really dark acoustic led album I really want to do, and the record company will greenlight it, and that's Nebraska. Yeah. And then the record company's like, okay, we let you do that one. Now give us some money. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's it, it. We'll see that with another band, um, where they follow up their success with records that don't do well sales wise, but it's kind of like more of an artistic expression, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the next one I have is Taylor Swift. Why would I not surprise with that one? <laughs> now it's, it's similar to Beyonce. So you look at Swift's career. 
you had Fearless, like, okay, and then Speak Now wasn't huge. It's like, all right. And then you had Red in 1989. You're like, all right, here we go. Here's the third one. But then it's like Reputation and Lover. And it's like, what? And the, those weren't, e the, I mean, they might have done well sales wise, but like Reputation and stuff were not well critically received um, and seen as misses, like critically. So it's like, wow, how does she? And then, much like Beyonce, it's the, the later in her career. So you have Folklore, which sold well and was critically received. So I chose Cardigan off of Folklore. And then she followed that up with Evermore, which is almost like a double album, but not really. And I picked uh, Willow off of that. And then her latest album is the one that's just sort of like crushing. Like, I think it's... Yeah, that one is even like more critically received and selling better, I think, than the than folklore evermore. I'd have to look at the numbers, but it's pretty it'd be pretty close. And that's Antihero is the big single off of that. That's just killing everything. Yeah, um, I, I, I kind of agree with this on, on what you say. But it's interesting, Coop, another big woman artist that when you look at the when you look at her production, you really don't hit the, even though she's very prolific. You really don't hit the three until later in her career. Yeah, it's it's a hard thing to do. Um, because there'd be two, and then there'd be a dip. Yeah, uh, and then you know either critically, uh, album gets panned, or so it's just interesting, um, how she did it. Well, some artists will look on here; they did it like the first three, but. For her and Beyonce, it's the last three. It's sort of not until way later in their career did they did they um hit those numbers. Yeah. Because on the face of it, you'd think Taylor Swift, oh, it'd be like, you know, whatever came right after and right before 1989. But it's that's not that's not what happened. All right, cool. Um, All right, that's an interesting stat when you bring that up. Because I think reputation might have the sales numbers because it's Taylor Swift, but Critically, that that album does not receive well. So, for me, it's like, well, you can't go just on sales. Like, if critically people are like, "What's going on?" Um, then for me, it takes it down. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely, I, I, I would agree a hundred percent on that. I, I agree. I think, I think, yeah, you agree a hundred percent on that. Ooh, let's see what you got here, Coop. My uh, notes are I, everywhere. So I went a little um with this one. I went a little more um, my I went more contemporary, um, and I went with Bruno Mars. See, this one surprised me. Okay, so I have a little bit of an explanation with this one. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about. It. So the three albums were Doo-Wops and Hooligans, which sold seven million copies. His Damn. debut album. Surprising. Yeah. Unorthodox jukebox. Which is, I think, the one that put him on the map. It sold six million, mm. and then Twenty Four K Magic was the third album. It got three million. But here's what you got to understand. Here's what happened mm. with Bruno Mars, and I That's think this factors a little. Into, this is what makes the Taylor Swift thing a little more impressive. Bruno Mars, I think, was victim of what the trend that was happening in streaming. So, right, going less album centric, more streaming centric, more single centric, right? So, because to me, I look at Unorthodox Jukebox, that is probably the best-known album he's got, but it didn't sell as much as Doo-Wops and Hooligans. Mm. So, 24K Magic just went over the line for me with that one. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm going to predict that I don't think Bruno has a fourth album that's going to, and I'm not counting the stuff he's collaborated with. So that's separate. But I yeah. don't, I'm going to predict, I don't think he gets a number four. I think the streak ends with that. But I, don't I think, think he's so more, but I think he's more, I think he's more victim of the trend of streaming. That's what, because to me, mm. I can't understand how, how on Arthur's jukebox is ahead of, uh, behind Julops and Hooligans. But I picked, I picked three songs, uh, just the way you are. And then probably the song he's most known for is Locked Out of Heaven. That's from uh, Unorthodox Two Box. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then I picked the title track, 24K Magic. I love that song. That's a 24K Magic. I also think critically it was a very good album he did. He kind of, that's mm. where he kind of went a little more with some hip hop influence in it. Uh, to me, it kind of showed, it, like I said, it made the three million, but, but the album was well received, which was yep. the key thing. And that'll kick it over the top. Yeah. What? But I, I don't. I wouldn't say Twenty Four K Magic was a. I don't say it was a flop. But I, but when I when I was doing this, I was freaking. I figured both. I thought Anarchy's Jukebox would be a diamond album at ten million. I was surprised where it was when I went through it. So it, his sales numbers do surprise me, in the sense that I thought it would be more. I thought it would be more. Yeah, but he hasn't been around as long either than some of these no. other ones we're talking about. Still, I thought he might have had a diamond album already. Yeah, I mean, I was very surprised. I was surprised to see him on here, to be honest. It well, like I said it went because I only think it. I only think of singles from Bruno Mars. I don't think of albums at all. That's but honest. that's I think a lot of the product of the environments in with that. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a uh, he just made it. He just yeah. made it is what I'm just gonna say. Like I said, I don't think it's. I think he might. He's not gonna have a force. That's just my opinion. Let's no. He just. Totally knocks it out of the park, but it's hard. Actually, it gets hard when you get to that third one. Mm. I have a band that similarly did it straight up, and that's Public Enemy. Uh huh. So we go we start with the It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, which we talked about earlier, which um, is is resound is like extremely critically acclaimed. I think sold well as well, but. Like is seen as one of the, you know, one of the top albums ever made in hip hop. So it's hard to say that's not a hit record, mm-hmm. um, just by critical acclaim alone. So you have Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos is the big track off of that for me, and then Coop comes the next two, which just sort of flatten the hip hop world. So you have Fear of a Black Planet, yeah, which is massive, uh, which is their next record. I put Welcome to the Terra Dome. Off of fear, you could put like any song really, and they follow that up in '91 with Apocalypse '91, The Enemy Strikes Black, which I put by the time I get to Arizona. Mm-hmm. They sort of have those three, and then it's a dip for them, and they get kind of you know what they're putting out and stuff gets a bit more haphazard. Um, but th- that's a solid three records there that not just sold well, but Changed the face of hip hop, really. Um, and yeah, are extremely both have, I guess, have that combination of sales and like high critical acclaim. Um, I mean, Fear of a Black Planet and Apocalypse 91 are massive records. Uh, you could say that it takes millions and millions to hold us back. The critical acclaim puts it over the top. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is solid three records there. Especially those last two are just absolutely, huge. absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I had to put had to put Public Enemy on here. 
It was a good one. That was a good. You know, one I was actually I was a little surprised that there wasn't more on that one too, though. It's it's interesting. Off of Apocalypse ninety one, it gets a bit up and down. Um, their career and the albums get more spread out, and it's just it just gets a bit all over the place. That's true. That's definitely true. But that's a very focused sort of time period there. I mean, that's like what eighty. 88 to 91? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's a pretty good run. Uh, yeah. so, sometimes the run doesn't go long. I mean, that's the one thing I think to... to yeah, really... and my next band is a similar thing. Like, these, re- these, they're like huge records I could put out within like a three-year time gap. Which yeah. which is unheard of now. I mean, really. Yep. I mean, Lord... Lord is like four years between albums, let alone putting out three in four years. Yeah. No, I can so make it. Yeah. Um, now, where, now, I got old notes. So I don't know which one you're up to now, if it's one of your new ones or... Uh, let me look and see. Um, I just went... I have to go back up. Uh, I, am, I am with Lionel Richie. Yes. Okay. That's what uh, surprised me as well. Um... There was a five-year, six-year period in the 80s when you can make the argument Lionel Richie was right up there with Prince and Michael Jackson. Oh, I, I would, I, I, I wouldn't argue that. I guess I, I forget about that, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he's had three, he's had, this was really his solo career, these three big albums he had. Mm. And after that, there hasn't been much to his solo career. And that's when he started having problems with marriage and, yeah, you know, um, but you know he comes out with his you know he, he comes out with a solo album off the Commodores uh called Lionel mm-hmm. Richie, and you know Lionel Richie is more known as a a ballad type of singer. I mean that's kind of where he the love songs and stuff like that. Yes, uh, does very well. Four million copies. It does very well. Uh, has some hits off that. Um, then can't slow down comes out, sells ten million copies. And that's where it little, some, there's a mix of ballads and dance stuff in there. And he pulls off the upset and beats Purple Rain for album of the year that year. Mm. So Lionel Richie beat out Purple Rain, and people may think that's nuts, uh, but a very, very good album, right? Uh, he follows it up in 86 with Dancing on the Ceiling, 4 million copies. The more I look at Lionel Richie's career, the more I think Dancing on the Ceiling was his best work. It, yeah. it, it, he does some he did some reggae stuff. He did some country stuff on there. Uh he had he had a monster ballad off that thing with Say You Say Me. Mm. It was to mm. me, I think that but and that was a, a very, very good album. Um and then after that he kind of um that was the end of it. He just really you never heard from Lionel Richie again after that. But a five year period, I would put him right up there. Um with Prince and Michael Jackson. Yeah. Uh, so it was a short period, but, you know, I picked three songs. Um, I picked a song from the Lionel Richie album called You Are, which is uh, You Are the Sun, You Are the Rain. Uh, mm. Kind of cool, kind of R&B-ish type of song with a little pop spin to it. Uh, off Cancel Down, I picked the song that I fell in love with this album with all night long. Mm, love that song. song. Love the whole Calypso integration yep. in there. Uh, a cool music video, uh, you know, it was, yeah. it, 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 be, it became a signature song of his to some extent. Um, 
Uh, and then dancing off the dancing on the ceiling, I picked uh, the track. I love this track. Say you, say me. It's a powerful mm -hmm. ballad. Glenn Orchard is known for his ballad, but that ballad to me, it was in it was a, it was also used in a movie called White Nights. It won yeah. the Oscar. It won an Oscar. This song, mm. and it was a great, great track. Uh, and again, when I go back with Lionel Richie, as much as everyone thinks canceled out, I think Dancing on the Ceiling was actually his best album. All were very mm -hmm. critically received, but yeah, that was it. I mean, those three albums are it for Lionel Richie. It and he, gone. He's yeah. So, um, so I did include him. I know he was a surprise, but I kind of go back to that period. I have to say he had a lot of influence back then. So, and he had the numbers to back it here, which is why I, I think, include him. Yeah. I think it was a surprise for me because like you said, it's sort of like these three albums come out and it's sort of like this meteor that then like immediately crashes. Yeah. So I, mean, like, he, he, he literally, I forget he, about, I forget about that. Yeah. Part of it was he actually, um, he actually wasn't in the studio for a while. He kind of like stepped away from that. That's when his marriage started falling apart. Mm. Um, so he, uh, yeah, he, um, you know, he did, you know, that was kind of it for him after that. Um, but yeah. No, good pick. Good pick. I wouldn't have thought of that one, but uh, good pick. I got a uh, uh, band. I'm going to stay in the nineties. Um, and I got Pearl Jam here, Coop. Uh, with a very good three. So this is their first three records, and then you go to No Code and Yield, and it sort of like goes a bit all over the place. Yeah, I was a little surprised on this one too, but but yeah, no. When I thought about it, when I saw what you picked. Yeah, I could see it. So ten, of course, you know their debut album, which was huge. Um, we'll talk about ten went up against Nirvana, which we'll talk about. Never mind at the end of this. Uh, final thoughts, but I, I looked up some stats on Nevermind Coop and they blew me away. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Um, so 10 with Jeremy is my favorite song off of 10. Great. Um, mine too. Mine too. It's a great song. I mean, that's a great album. Uh, sold really well. Then you had Verses, which the big single off of Verses was Daughter. Um, was, was, uh, was sort of the big single. And then Vitology, which I think for me is one of my favorite mine too. Jam records. Uh, and Better Man. You could have picked a number of songs off of that record, but oh, I picked Better it? Man. Um, they all came out between '91 and '94, so it was like quite a very compressed uh recording schedule. I mean, Pearl Jam's put out a ton of music, and sort of after Vitology Coop, you kind of have No Code and Yield and stuff like that, and it sort of goes up and down with some big singles here, some you know, lesser ones there. Um, but these three uh, not only performed quite well sales-wise, Vitology was, uh, I guess, the last really well-received album. Maybe it started the dip there. Um, but, yeah, but just uh, a great three albums there. I mean, all, I mean, Versus, I think Versus was sort of driven by that daughter single. I mean, there's other good songs on that record, but I think that really drove it. That, I, I that agree. Single. I, I totally um, agree on that one. Because I think Vitology is a better constructed album. Uh, and Better Man is like a, the huge song off of that. Yeah. Um, but it was sort of the beginning of the end there with in terms of sales and stuff. But they, I mean, they've been putting music out. But 
just nothing kind of comes close to those to those three there. Yeah. No, I think that's a you know that's a that's a monster three you got. I mean, were you surprised by that with Pearl Jam? I was surprised I was, that it was I their was. first three. I was surprised as well. That's why I said I was definitely surprised by that one. Um, I mean, I was surprised it was their first three. They put out so much music, you think, oh, it'd be like four or five. But really, it's just those first three. Yep. No, I agree with you on that one. Um, but yeah, I was surprised by that too and wh where it was exactly. Uh, you know, and I keep forgetting that 10 was their debut album sometimes. I just lose track of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think when it, I mean, it comes out head to head against Nevermind, which is like you forget about anything that yeah. came out against Nevermind. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, so, yeah, so another 90s band. I'll, I'll, I'll move off the 90s for a little bit in a bit. But uh, what do you got here, Coop? So this is one I added in. Um, So the next two I added in. But let me just make a comment. So with the next two artists, there were albums that were released kind of in between some of these studio albums. But I'm not counting them because they were either re-releases or anthologies right, yeah, or yeah, live. Yeah. So I'm only counting studio albums here. And this this artist, I mean, I don't know how she got trounced in the first round. Uh, but oh, here we go. It's Madonna. Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, it's the, Coop. and it's the first four albums that really yes. it was for her. Um, you know, the, the, I am a big fan. My, still, my probably overall favorite Madonna album is the self-titled Madonna album. Oh, uh, okay. It's still my Lots favorite. People forget people forget that record. Lots of hits off that There's record. There's a lot of hits off that record, you know. Um, it was, and it definitely, I mean, there would not have been a Like a Virgin if there wasn't a Madonna album. No. So, uh, really good job with that. That sold 5 million copies. And really, when Madonna, when that album came out, she was still very much an underground kind of artist. She was still playing mm. the nightclubs in New York and the dance clubs in New York. She really hadn't become an international star. The follow-up album, which was a monster, it was a diamond album for her. That'll do uh, it. Like yeah. a Virgin, ten million. I mean, this is the album my dad liked. I mean, he got into this album. I, I always say, you know, my dad was, you know, he. I don't think he was part of the Madonna generation, but he loved that album. Um, she. Your followed... dad was on the. Uh, your dad was on the cutting edge of eighties uh, pop. Madonna he, and uh, Cindy Lauper. He was. He was. Well, he was exposed to a lot of this. Like, you know, if he didn't like drive the people in the industry, I don't think he would have been exposed to it. Uh, he would have listened to doo wop music his whole life. Yeah. But I remember he's like, this is like this song material girl is like incredible. Oh. And he's like, that like a virgin video, she's hot. Like he'd come <laughs> on like a little kid with that, right? Good um, on you, Papa. And in your I, although like when Dick Tracy came out, he loved the retro. Like when she did Vogue and Dick Tracy, which is not on my list, but he liked Oof. that too, because he kind of yeah. related that. No, that Vogue's a great song. Yeah. Then she follows it up with a, another monster album, True Blue. Oh yeah. She has the trifecta already. Um, and this is True Blue comes out in like 86. So really in three years, she gets the trifecta. Like for 84, like eight, oh, 84 years. 83 to 86 was Live to Tell. Um, lived to, True Blue, which Live to Tell's on. So, And then 89, Like a Prayer comes out. Uh, sells 5 million mm. copies. Um, it is tough to beat that. You can, yeah, I mean, the and then you kind of like meander into yeah. what confessions on a dance floor. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of other ones in there. What is it? Um, there's one I know, but yeah, she really confession on the dance floor was probably 
you know, that would be 17 years later. Um, yeah. So, but it was, uh, I'm trying to, I'm I mean, Ray of Light. Ray of Light. Ray of Light, yeah. Um, which, but, you know, I'm kind of going, what was the album after, like, A Prayer? I'm, I'm breathless. Oh, with it was Dick, like, it was yeah. the Dick Tracy album. Dick Tracy, uh, yeah. Then the, after that was Erotica. Like, Erotica. Erotica yeah. didn't, I don't think Erotica did as well as people think. No, because I think the comeback album for her was Ray of Light. And that Ray of Light was, was a, yeah, Ray of Light. Yeah, it just missed two million actually, uh, was uh, erotica. Um then it was what was the other was it uh bedtime stories was kind of a miss. Uh something to remember uh yeah was uh I just think that was more of a compilation album. I won't count that. Then she did like a Vita, uh then Ray of yeah. Light. Ray of Light kind of I think Ray put Light her back. Was the one, yeah. yeah, Ray of Light kind of put her back on the map, I thought. Um, you know, people thought Madonna was done. Love that uh, record. Really underrated record. Um, just seeing how it sold. Uh, it sold almost five million. So that was a big comeback album for her. It was a huge comeback album for her. That one. Um, you could make an argument. First, yeah, those first four records are just bangers. I mean, you can make an argument that I think she was probably the second artist. Like, I don't think she was the artist of the decade. I think we know who it was. It was Michael Jackson. But uh, I would probably say she's second or third. Well, she's the highest women's artist. Yeah. Sales wise ever. Ever. Yeah. It's like, what, 380 million or something. Yep. Yep. Agree. Agree. Yeah. No, that's an excellent pick. Yeah. I'm glad we added more bands so that. Yeah. 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 We've done a Madonna show, so people know that we're huge Madonna fans. Yep. Yeah. Oh, good pick, Coop. You you know you've had a long career when you could have multiple comebacks and like, you know. Yeah, and, and you know some of these other artists we talked about like either didn't have a comeback. Springsteen yes. had dips, but he didn't have to make a comeback. Madonna had to make a comeback, I think. And I yes, think really, really light, and then probably confession on a dance floor. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you could argue Springsteen was sort of always around, and he goes yeah. up and down in sales. Whereas Madonna was like fell off a table, and yeah. then like people were like, "Whoa!" But but Springsteen would do these experimental albums. Yes. So he did like remember uh, "Tunnel of Love" was a very experimental album. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then he does you know some of the Pete Seeger stuff um, later. You know, so he he would tend to like to just be you know explore his creativity a bit. Uh, yeah. You know, and after "Born in the USA," I don't think he needed to prove anything else. No, he sort of, and then Philadelphia came out that song. And then he kind of got another big jolt after that. Yeah, it did. Yeah, he would use the E Street Band. He wouldn't have the E Street Band. He'd sort of go back and forth. Well, the E Street Band by the late 90s was was pretty much disbanded. And I think that whole little Steven getting on the Sopranos was he had nothing to do at that point. Right. Mm. And then Springsteen calls him up, seeing the success of the show. And they get the whole band back together. They do the 2000 tour. And he's kind of rolling the next 10 years again. God, he's that like that. We got to do a Springsteen show. We have man. not done a show on him. We, we have His this... career is insane. It is. It is. We have not done a Springsteen show, and we definitely should. Um, anyway. Because uh, he's still putting out, like, huge records now. Anyway. He's still is. I mean, he still is. He's got, I mean, look, his tours are still selling out. I know there's a lot of controversy on his tours, though. I'll tell you that. With the ticket prices. Oh, the price, big... yeah. But I don't blame him on it. This is not him. His costs have gone up too. This is not Bruce. I don't think Bruce is selling out here at all. Well, the problem with those is we could just do a quick little 
Divergence is that the, it's like with everything, it's like these shows have such huge sets. They got a cart around everywhere. Yeah. And, and the price of all that transport and shipping and stuff has gone through the roof. Yeah. And so just carting the show around. And look, it, you want, I you mean, want good, yeah, good sound. You know, you have to have people to kind of the engineers well, around that. Sound, yeah. I mean, Bruce just ain't rocking up with a guitar. Yeah. Like it's not like open mic. Like yeah. he's got to like cart all the stuff around. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I got Aretha Franklin. Coop. Yep. I didn't name my Madonna songs. Can I just rename them? Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, Madonna had Lucky Star. Is what oh. I picked from that one. Like a Virgin, I picked Angel. I just wanted to go a little different. That was a cool yeah, song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. True Blue, I picked Live to Tell, and Like a Prayer, I picked Like a Prayer. So, oh yeah, yep, nice picks. You could pick one of like six tracks off of that debut album. Well, yeah, Borderline on there, and Borderline, yeah, uh, everybody, Holiday, yeah, Holiday, yeah. It's a lot of hits off that first album. There is people forget about that album. It's a really good album, yeah. Um, Aretha. Aretha's an interesting one. Yeah, I was surprised it was uh I was surprised I probably could have gone later in her career as well, but I picked earlier. Right. I think these are the uh, three though, yeah. It's interesting. So you have Lady Soul. Yeah, we've with done an album out track. Yep. Yeah, we did that. Big track off of that Chain of Fools. Aretha Now, which is a huge record thing off yeah. off of that. Yep. And here's the interesting part, Coop. If you were to name the next record, I don't think you'd think of Soul 69. No, no, that, that's what surprised <laughs> me. But I think what you're going to say is right on target here. It's it, it was sold extremely well, and the critics loved it. Like, the critical response to that record was amazing. Uh, but it's, it's preceded by such big albums like Lady Soul and Aretha Now that I think a lot of sales were because Aretha Now was so good. People like, oh, another Aretha record. But also, those albums are so good, you, like, forget about this one. And it, it doesn't have the staying power, even though it's a great record. It's like the albums before it were so good, like, you just forget that that one exists. Yeah. Even though it sold extremely well and got a huge critical response. Um, so, and I think you talked about this before. Like, it's just really interesting how, like, the two those two albums are so big. The third one... Even though it, cont contemporary, like it, at the time, was big, but historically, like people have no memory of that album at all. No, they don't. They don't. You're right. And I think part of that was due to the fact back then albums were being produced much closer together. Yep. So sometimes it was you know something an album would come out and then a few months later and I think those three albums were released pretty close to each other. And I and could I, be, and I'd I, have to fact check that, but I could be wrong on it. I looked at contemporary reviews of it, and people loved it. Like Rolling Stone said, it was like a transformative album, and but I think historically we sort of gravitate to these other albums, like Lady Soul, Aretha. Now we kind of gravitate to uh, the um, like the um, other other records, and and that one just gets totally lost. Dave, it was a one year span. Those were 68 and 69, all those albums. <laughs> so, I mean, again, they were, that's, I think, what, what that was victim of more than anything. That it's insane. It was just such a, it was so close together. And look at that accomplishment to do what she did um, oh. um, in that time. But I just found it really interesting just, like, to look at it and think of, like, you know, that there are these, these bands where these albums are so huge 
that the follow-up album does really well, but you like it gets forgotten to history. Like yeah. you don't even think of it. Yep. You know, uh, I was just looking at the comment from Rolling Stone. Uh, what they said about Soul sixty nine. Uh, they they uh, Stanley Booth, who wrote for them, said quite possibly the best record to appear in the last five years. I mean, that's yeah. a big, that's a big statement. Excellent in like... ways, excellent in ways which pop music hasn't been since the Beatles spearheaded the Renaissance of rock. Yeah. And you're like, what album? And you don't, yeah. you don't think of it at all. Yeah. Yep. So it, that was very interesting to me very when true. I saw yeah, that. Yeah, very true. All right, who you got now? So I got uh, two monsters coming up. So this one I added. I <laughs> yeah. was originally. I, I was. I decided to add this one. I wasn't going to cover it originally, but it deserves to be in here. So I was glad. I went Michael Jackson. Yes. All right. Oh, you have to. Y- yeah. Now again. There's only one point in Michael Jackson's career that he had the three-peat, and it yep. was – and it's probably when everyone thinks it was. The the one that I'll say again, Michael Jackson, there were other albums released in between these, like particularly his old label Motown. Like he had moved to Epic Records, yeah. and Motown was releasing stuff, and there was anthology stuff being released from Motown. Then there was a couple of like things released in between on Epic. So I went with the, stu- the, the studio albums. Um, I started off with Off the Wall. Oh, that's the album I have mm-hmm. his autograph on. Um, nine million copies sold. Uh, it was a big hit. Okay, that's a big hit album. Um, but you know, it wasn't like it. It was the next album, Thriller, which is thirty-four million. I mean, what what can you, you, there's not much more we could say other than obviously there's a backlash on Michael Jackson. This 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 was a monster album in every sense. And in fact, mm. people forget that Thriller led to that reunion of the Jacksons. The Jacksons mm-hmm. went on tour, and that would not have happened. I don't. I, the Jacksons were pretty much done, and that's why Michael had gone solo, and they decided to try to get the Jacksons together one more time to do that. And then Bad comes out, which has a a ton of singles off Bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I want to say Bad had about nine singles released off that thing. It was it was an insane amount. Of um, I'm just looking. I want to double check that because I thought I want to check that. There were eight, nine singles. Nine singles were released off Bad. That that is almost unheard. Almost every song was released as a single off that album. It sold mm. 11 million copies. There were 10 singles on the whole album. So, um, it was it was a big hit album. Now, Dangerous was the album after that. It sold three million, which would meet my criteria. But I think there was a big dip with Dangerous. Um, mm. and I don't think Dangerous has had the only reason why I think it even got to three million was he had taken a few years off, like three or four years off. Yeah. So I think there was a curiosity, but I don't hear Dangerous really. I can't no. put Dangerous in that category. So I put I put those three on there. Um, I went with uh Off the Wall, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. It's kind of a nice. uh, a dance R and B vibe. Yeah, I love that. Uh, with Thriller, I went I went Chalk, Beat It. I mean, Eddie's yeah, guitar, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen's guitar solo uh, made a lot of fans out of Michael Jackson. Uh, went through a lot of great songs. Up, that was like picking your favorite children. And <laughs> and this song, I just love the opening line to this song from Bed. Hey, pretty baby with the high heels on. I that's that is it's the way <laughs> you make me feel. That song caught me with that with that opening lyric, and I loved it ever since. So nice, uh, yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is the only point in his career. He had the three-peat. Um, you think about Michael Jackson as one of the all-timers, but I don't think, like I said, I don't think he's, you know, after Dangerous, he really fell off the map in terms of what he was producing. 
That's it. it that, I was really interested to hear you say that because you think like, oh, yeah, just pick any three records you want because he's, he's no, 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 that's you're, you're right. I mean, that's not true, which is that's very, which I, I wouldn't have thought. We, we tend to put my look, we tend to put Michael Jackson up with, with the Beatles and Elvis. Yes. I, I had a little bit of a problem because of that one, but I think that there's no point. There was like about a eight or nine year span where he was huge. But again, oh, yeah. I, but again, from that standpoint, I, I can't, you know, I can't put him higher than that than them because I mean, of that. I mean, I think I think, which is interesting. I think those albums sold so well that, and he dominated that span of time that you just sort of assume that everything sold well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they were so big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. That, that was that's surprising to hear you that's talk 50, about that. Look, that's fifty-four million albums between three. It's, it's not anything <laughs> oh, left home about, right? Not but that's nothing to left home about. I mean, he had twenty million outside of Thriller. Okay, so that's a, but God. again, it's not a longer stretch than three studio albums. No, no, which is surprising to yeah. me. I, I would have yeah. thought he had more. Yep. I mean, if you no, want to like... say dangerous, I just can't. It just to me that album never no. caught on. I agree with that. Yep. Um, your next one floored me. Floored. Well, you go next. You're next. I know, but I'm just. I'm just I'm oh, just well, wait till you see. Wait, just wait. When I go with this next one, yeah, it's gonna floor everybody on this on this one. Floored. You're, um, you're floored with this next one. I think I forgot to say my Soul sixty nine track because I was so busy talking about it. Yeah, it was today. I sing the blues is the track I picked. Yep, that. yep, you did forget it. Yep. <laughs> All right, I got the shirt on from the tour. And it's interesting, so I want to pick a modern artist to get into a bit of a discussion. Around. I was surprised you picked this one, but go ahead. I went Harry Styles. Yeah. So if you look at it, each album has increased in sales. So I think it went something like three, five, and then almost like eight million. Right. Again, very good for the artist in the streaming era to do that. Um, and all of them have have met with 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 critical acclaim. Um, I mean, Harry's house, you know, he's getting, he's getting Grammys and they're all, they're all, they all have sales and critical acclaim. And if you just look at his following, his following is like gotten bigger. He went from my daughter and I saw him when he came out to Australia for his first record. And he played a venue, you know, sort of like a basketball arena size. So it'd be like, you know, 15,000 or whatever. To we went for Harry's house, which I have the shirt on, do do do, the love tour, and that was fifty five million thousand people, and it sold out in like two minutes. Yeah, so it's it just shows like the increase, and the interesting thing here is you have it in an era where they they count like online because I think as it was has been streamed like a billion times or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like numbers that like are hard for me to rationalize because they count as like a percentage of an album sale how they figure it out is really bizarre um but you can't really argue that these albums aren't hit albums all in a row now the question is coop is he gonna because he's gonna put out a fourth record yeah Are, are they is it gonna follow this trend or is it going to be like the next band I'm going to talk about? And it's going to be three and then have a dip. So I think that's the interesting thing is like, are we looking at another increase or like what, 
it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. I almost think it's going to be this is the peak one. Mm-hmm. Um, because and here's here's where I'm saying this. You and I have talked about this, right? From a critical standpoint of the three albums, I thought it was the weakest of the three. Yes, it won the Grammy. I understand it won the Grammy. That's I just for the track, though. I understand yeah. it won the Grammy. Yeah, no, it won the album of the year. It, don't oh, remember, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. remember he got album of the year. He didn't get it for the track. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like yeah. So, um, the first that's the first thing on that I'll say. Um, so I think he goes. Um, I think he goes. It's going to be tougher to do it right now. He's got. Yes. He hasn't hit triple platinum yet, but he's close to it, right? With that album, but don't forget mm. this album's only been out a year, right? So yeah, he it's been out that long, yeah. Um, but he went from one million on his first album to fine line having three million. And he's just under three million with this third album. Again, this is in the streaming era. He's doing this, right? So I, I agree that this is it's different now. If you put a one million album on it, I think it's going to be tough. I because I just think that this album isn't as strong as the previous two, and I think people bought it because I think there was one single that really stood out. You know, it was very yeah. friendly and it drive. So I think he, but I don't think he's going to have a flop. Is what I'm saying either. No. Yeah. It'll be interesting though to see what happens. Um, because I have my following band kind of kind of followed the Harry the Harry trajectory to a very different conclusion. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting. Yep. But man, his concerts are so good. Yeah, I mean They're when you so get fifty good. he's getting fifty five thousand at a concert right now in Australia. Um and he's gonna uh, get those numbers yeah. here, oh. I'll tell you that. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So uh the first record I picked Sign of the Times, so that's my favorite song off yeah, that record. Song. Yeah, it's probably the, it's the biggest single. Fine line. I chose Treat People with Kindness because yep. that is my favorite song of his in concert. It's a big concert yep. song, that one. Good song, yep. And then Harry's House Satellite is what I chose. It's not the as it was, but it is another big song that's kind of gaining momentum. Another song that people really scream for at concerts. So. Yep. And so yep. I put like, is he going to be Rihanna or is he going to be something else? It's sort of the question. Yep. yep. But I mean, even saying that, like, he's not even close to Rihanna numbers at yep. all. So I agree with you. I mean, it's one thing to have a dip and go from like twelve but, million to eight million, but it's another thing if you're at three. I, again, I, to... I think you got to look at the numbers a little different from like 2015 on, yeah. and Rihanna had stuff before 2015. I, I think the streaming has changed a lot of that. Yeah. So I, that's why. Yeah. So I still think that's those are really good numbers in the streaming era. Now, Coop's next one, I was floored, yeah. shocked. When I throw the numbers out, Dave, I didn't put, I didn't put the numbers in the notes. I'm going to put the numbers. Wait till you hear the numbers here, okay? Just really quick, I, I, when I saw this artist, I, if I wouldn't have seen what your notes, I would have thought, well, he had three, but maybe barely. Yeah. But he had, like, he had go- seven easy. <laughs> he had seven. He is the all-timer, as far as I'm concerned. The yeah. bad news is, for our listeners, he's not on Spotify. I don't know why. Well, a really quick thing, because I made the song list. He is not, but some compilations with live recordings of these are. Oh, good news. Okay. So some of these songs I was able to find and some not. So yeah. some of these songs are going to be on the list. Yeah. So song yeah. list. Yeah. Uh, and there's one correction to an album name. I had an incorrect album name on that. I got to hear the numbers of these albums because this is for Okay. Me. So seven albums. The artist is Garth Brooks. That's insane. Garth Brooks. Now I, I couldn't am gonna, believe it. Let me read the seven albums and the numbers, and this will just tell the story. Garth Brooks' self-titled album, 10 million copies. 
Second album, No Fences, 18 million copies. <laughs> Third album, Rope in the Wind, 14 million copies. Man. Fourth album, The Chase, 10 million copies. These are U.S. numbers, by the way, I'm going. Fifth yeah, well, album, yeah. In Pieces, 10 million album, ten million sales. God. Then he has a dip with Fresh Horses, the sixth. It's the only one not to reach Diamond at this group. Eight million. Oh, what a dip. Eight, mil- eight yeah. million. Yeah. And then sevens, 10 million. God, that's How, you, now, This is in country. Do people? Yes. I mean, you have to look at what Garth Brooks did, and this is just – this is monumental. This is like numbers. I, I have to look to see how – these are Zeppelin numbers we're talking about here. Oh yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it, it's close. I but mean, it's in it was... country. It's in country. That's oh, what's it's insane. Yeah. Uh, I, I. I mean, I knew he was big, but I never would have thought he had that many at all. I knew he was big. Um, what happened is I when I started, I said, let me see who's got like when I started looking at Diamond albums, and when mm-hmm. I started, I said, how does he have this many what Diamond albums? Many? Then I started looking into this. I knew he was big, right? I thought he had a shot at the three peat, right? Um, I didn't think it would be like this overpowering. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if you're interested in some of the tracks off each of these, uh, off Garth Brooks, if tomorrow never comes, off mm. No Fences, Friends in Low Places. Oh yeah. Uh, off Up in the Wind, Shameless. Uh, off the Chase, somewhere other than the Night. Kind of an old school. It's more of an old school feel. Mm. I like that song. Uh, mm. In Pieces, Ain't Going Down, a little bit of a honky tonk theme. Mm-hmm. And a couple more old school songs from Fresh Horses, The Beaches of Cheyenne. I love that song. And off sevens, two pina coladas. Love that song. This guy is God. this guy is the as far as I, on these lists. I think he just blow. He's blowing all these artists away. Which like again, you look at Michael Jackson's numbers versus these numbers. My goodness, you, you have to say in the nineties, Garth Brooks was the artist of the decade. When you look at that, I mean, you have yeah. to. Yeah, you can't not. Um, because sevens came out. When did Sevens come out? Um, Sevens came out in this 90- could all be like late yeah, 80s, is, early 90s. Yeah, this surely. is this is ninety seven. It came out. Yeah, right. Uh, Garth Brooks' solo album came out in eighty nine. Yeah, that I mean that is those are some your those numbers are up there with Beatles, Stones, uh, Zeppelin. I mean that that's just it's pretty on. crazy. Uh, I just I'm blown away by it. I was shocked to see that many, to be honest. Shocked. It, it tells me I didn't think he made that many records, let alone sell that. I mean I mean, uh what the numbers here, if I just do a quick ad here, uh twenty eight, forty two, fifty two, sixty two, seventy, eighty million. That's eighty million. Be the highest selling let's see what the highest selling country artist in. He'd have to oh. Yeah, he's got I mean It'd have to be close. Yeah, he's number one. Yeah, he's got to be number one. I mean, he is. Um, And, you know, you look at, like, a lot of people may know him, in, you know, from mainstream with Friends in Low Places. But he's got, I mean, when you listen to the portfolio, there's some really good country music he's got. And he's a very much a classic country artist at times he can be. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of a, I look at Friends in Low Places, that's a little more of an anomaly what he's done. It's a little more that Roadhouse, that, that Mickey Gilly type of feel. Uh, But, yeah, it's... uh. Yeah, amazing, amazing numbers he's got. Uh, Let me just tell you, Coop. So he's the top selling. I just looked at it really quick. I mean, these are numbers I didn't research, so I'll just shoot right. with a grain of salt. But he's the top selling country music artist with like 156 million albums sold. Yeah. Number two 
is like George Strait with like 60. <laughs> so he's like almost 100 million more than yeah. number two. Yeah. That's insane. It, it It's totally insane. You just can't. Uh... Wow. Thunder. Uh, big crack of thunder mm. that was. Wow. No, it's fireworks. <laughs> ah. Uh, and, uh, you know, he uh, he actually is playing uh, this year in Vegas. Uh, residency. Oh, yeah. 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 That's but, crazy. But, I mean, this is just, uh, yeah, this is just some numbers that you just, um, again, in the country genre, this is all. Yeah. This is oh, not yeah. pop. This is not pop. He's not getting the same amount of airplay. Uh, this is just he. That's how strong he is. Uh, I don't know if any oh, yeah. country artist in our lifetime will ever approach that. No, I, I, I don't you, know. I and you know look, and be. you look at the Harry Styles numbers, right? And they pale. Don't. But but I think more people could probably name Harry Styles songs if you're not a country person. Oh yeah, yeah. That's no, interesting. No, I was floored by that. Yep. Um, my final one I put on. Just because I find it very interesting. Yeah, so, this is a good one. It's Radiohead. So you had Pablo Honey with the big song if that was Creep. I think that was like, I mean, three million maybe yeah. or something, maybe a bit higher. Yep. Then the Bends with Fake Plastic Trees, that hit like around five million. And then was OK Computer, which was around nine or ten. So OK Computer, I picked no surprises off of that record. Yep. It, and here's what's very interesting. And so I'm wondering what will happen with Harry and stuff like that. You sort of have Rihanna who has this massive stardom and then sort of rides it out to like, you know, it keeps putting out hits. Okay. Radiohead was like the opposite. So okay. Computer was such a big jump from the previous albums that it kind of freaked Tom York out. And he, and he was like, we have too much success. So he like purposely wanted to make, records that would drive the new fans away <laughs> so and he has said this so he spent hundreds of hours post-production to like make records that were so inaccessible that he would get back to like the quote-unquote real fans or whatever yeah because he was so scared about success and, and i said after hundreds of post-production studio hours he succeeded so he put out kid a and amnesiac which took the sales down from about 10 million to about one. Right. And then he was talking with Michael Stipe about this and about success and how he needed to drive away the fans and you get back to the art or whatever. And Michael Stipe is like, get over yourself, you know, make music people like, what are you doing? And he's like, you're right. And so then they came out with hail to the thief, which was their comeback album. And their sales went back up to over 5 million. So and they've sort of been putting out kind of artistic albums and and good selling albums like you know here and there since then. So it's really interesting how they had these three albums were three hits in a row, but it was almost like too much for the band to handle, and they purposely self destructed. Yeah. Um, and then came back. So it's so it's interesting to sort of see how kind of early success what that can do to a to, can do to a band and we'll, and we'll talk about that in my final thoughts with another band but um it's just yeah. it's just uh, that's it I, I just found that really interesting as a story around yeah. that band yep 
I, I, I was surprised at the nine million on OK Computer. That was higher than I thought, but it was a big album. Uh, and you're right about Amnesiac. Yeah, I didn't know that story, but I just thought it was a miss for them. You no, know, they, he, he like, I mean, I guess for him, it's like it, it achieved what he wanted. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he's like, let's make, let's drive everybody away. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so no, nah, it's. Just, and, I mean, final thoughts here, Coop. What are some? You got some good, interesting misses on on yours. Yeah, I added one other too. Um, so. It's amazing, like we talked about, this is not an easy thing. And I picked four artists that I think missed. First was Prince. That's he crazy. Didn't. I don't think Prince had the two in a row, to be honest. Maybe 1999 mm. Purple Rain was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that, yeah. But Around the World Today missed. I mean, so he did not have that um, at all. Um, is, yeah. I'll tell you who didn't have it. Right? Elton John is another one. Yes. But the problem with Elton John albums were... He his albums were built around having one 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 big hit, yeah. And, and if it you know, one single they revolved around, and but there were just too many misses for Elton album wise in my in my book to include him. Like, there's I agree. Not a like, yeah. There's no he didn't come close to the three in this one. No. Um, you mentioned I know you mentioned this one too. I came Van Halen was uh, if, yeah. No, Van Halen had they tended to do two in a row and then there was a drop off. Two in a row and then there was a drop off. Yeah, um, I was surprised at that one when I looked into I, that one. I, I, had, I was looking at Van Halen, and then I saw your note, and I'm looking at Dave's right. There was, you know, Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2, then, then there's a drop-off, uh, you know, and, and there was a couple points, but I just think they didn't hit the trifecta on that at all. It was That was one that missed. And then this is going to piss a lot of people off, but Rush is the other one. Mm. Similar, but Rush... Even when they were starting to have their heyday in the '80s, when they moved out of the progressives, there was just there was always that one dip album they had. Yeah, uh, you know, I thought maybe Signals, uh, Grace Under Pressure, Power Windows, but Signals really didn't sell all that well. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it did. So I, I didn't include Rush. Uh, I know some people argue that one with me, and they can, but some of the other albums, while they're very they're classic progressive albums, they just did not have, they just did not have enough commercial mainstay behind it they you know so i just couldn't include rush no it's, it's interesting like i love the show and 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 i and some of the ones i had was like willie nelson um dolly dolly you'd be like oh there's got to be something in there but yeah it's like you said it was almost like they're so prolific that like you you get two and then you're like all oh, right okay and then you're like what album is this it's like a lot of that's the like went back to radio airplay, like yeah, because the radio stations were always looking to try to find something new, so it was hard for those third albums sometimes to get the airplay, and that sometimes drove sales. I mean, when you go on the radio, that's what drove sales back then. So it was hard to do it back. Yeah, then. I mean, I mean, in another one, like I said, Van Halen, and then Pink Floyd as well. Pink Floyd, I agree uh, with that one as well. I mean, again, uh, and Pink Floyd had other issues, like when Waters left, they, they had problems around that. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like they'd have these dips, and then other bands like Oasis. You were like, "Ooh, yep. Rage yep. Against the Machine." No, yeah. And the the one band that got cut short that I think would have made it is Nirvana. I agree. I think Nirvana would have probably gotten the third one. When I was researching, Nevermind, right? It sold thirty seven million copies. There was a time, Coop, at Nevermind when it first came out, it was selling three hundred thousand copies a week. It was insane. <laughs> That's insane. 
It was insane. So you, you wonder know, if Kurt would have been around, would they have hit the three with that one in utero and then whatever the third one would have been? You know what's interesting? Living in the New York area, Nirvana never really caught on in New York like you'd think. And they weren't mm. getting a lot of the airplay. They were getting a sense of when the alternative station started coming, they got it. But they really, you know, they were big in a lot of other parts of the country, but New York has its own music scene. So it's yeah. it's so different. And I, some people may disagree with that, but I'm just telling you, I didn't realize how big Nirvana was till after I moved out of New York. And mm. actually, um, which was a big difference there. Um, you know, and I didn't look up the Foo Fighters, right? I didn't go with the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Oh, I but I, but I don't think the Foo Fighters have had that triple platinum album. I don't I don't think so. I, that was a, yeah, I mean, the first the one, maybe. No, they didn't. They don't. I'm looking at it right now. The, the second album, Color and the Shape, was the closest it came, 2.3. So, again, right. I can't put the Foo Fighters on that. Like, you got to have, you gotta have yeah. some triple platinum sales close to that, yeah. It's interesting because I looked at Metallica, and I think, never, I think Nirvana, people would be like, oh, but what about Bleach? That sold well. But it's like with, 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 um, Metallica and um, Master of Puppets, right? Because you had Master of Puppets, Justice for All, and then their self-titled, the the self-titled one, uh, the Black Album, and then. But the only reason I think Master of Puppets sold well is that people listened to those two and then bought it retrospectively. Well, um, they, I, I probably would have. Bleach would have gotten. Yeah. Like Bleach would have gotten the number, like sales numbers for Bleach would have been because. Like Kurt Cobain died. Oh, what's, what's more Nirvana stuff? And then they buy it. Yeah. Whereas at the time, it would never have sold. So I would have had Metallica on the list. Yeah. Okay. And here's why. Because I had, I almost put them on there. Kill them all, 4.5 million. Ride the Lightning, 6.9 million. Lightning. And then save Master Puppets, Master 8 Puppets. million. Uh, and Justice for All, 9 million, 9.7 million. Metallica, Black Album, 17 million. Yeah. And then if you want to say load, 5 million. Uh, yeah, see, reload, yeah. yeah. I think, well, Master of Puppets, I think, was like a lot of these. It's hard. I mean, I'd have to look at what, what sold where it came out. But but it was a progressive increase of Master of Puppets. Yes. And Justice for All actually sold more. And Metallica Black Album actually sold more. Yeah. Then there was a drop. But then there was a big drop off with Load. So I would probably say the first five albums of that. I, I probably would have said Load is kind of similar to Dangerous at that point. Yeah. But, but yeah. So. I would have made the case for Metallica. I just said it was it was a it was a room thing with that one. But yeah, I mean it's hard to tell too. With some of these records, like you have the Monster record, I think you too would fall into this too. Yeah, after Joshua Tree, where, you, where people buy their previous records, and it's like, well, the, I mean, how do you know like what what was sold when it came out? And yeah, but but you two's had you two's had numbers. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I mean, Action Baby would be huge. Yeah, they really. had. Um, I just couldn't find the numbers for Unforgettable Fire, but I think I think it got the triple platinum. Joshua Tree was was uh, was I think five or six million. It would have been, uh, yeah. Yeah, Action Baby actually was pretty big too. I think it was similar, five million. Uh, but yeah, it was uh maybe, I, but I didn't think Unforgettable Fire necessarily hit that one. I didn't look at the numbers, but I think Coldplay might have done it. Yeah, they were, they were yeah. Parachutes, Rush of Blood of the Head, and X and Y. Yeah, the, the one guy who really missed it, um, was Brian Adams. He missed yeah. it. He had a uh, Reckless, and then he did Into the Fire, which was I think a great album, but didn't sell well, and it really didn't get the buzz. 
Uh, you know, it's not really a staple album of his. And then he does Waking Up the Neighbors, which becomes his biggest album. So I mean, it's uh, sort of like, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like Rage Against the Machine. I mean, with that, you know, their first record and then um, Evil Empire and then the, the one after that, like Radio California, whatever it was, was like, yeah. what? Yeah. So because yeah, the other thing was I was researching this. We got to do a show. That's called wanna, Beginning of the End. We got to do this. I, I'm in. This is a great idea. <laughs> because I'm like looking at these records and like the Oasis record, like, oh, this is the beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah. Dangerous. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Beginning yeah. The, yeah. Um, not necessarily it was a flop record, but you just knew you weren't going to recover from that. Like, oh, like I, I, have, I already have Phil Collins as one. I can tell you that. There's, there's, a, yeah. Phil, there's a definite Phil Collins album that killed him. So, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so no, it's a great show. I loved it. Was yeah. it's, it, it was interesting to research. It was a lot of fun to do. Like I said, uh, you know, if you got got some other things that we missed, uh, let us know. Look up some numbers. Look up some, you know, just impact. You know, let us know. Yeah, uh, we're happy to read it. But this was a really fun exercise to do. Yeah. Hey. New music. Hey. Cigar. One of the things about the hustler. Yeah. They're, they're carrying all saints now, Coop. Yes. At the uh, Cigar Hustler shop and online. What a job Mickey Pegg is doing with All Saints, by the way. Mm. Um, really doing everything the right way. Uh, I like he's focusing a lot on core lines. He just came out with that firecracker, though, for, which is cool. I think that's cool. Mm. The, the St. Patrick's. Uh, I've smoked it. I have. I got one from Dave. I haven't gotten any of the ones that got released, but Dave gave me one last summer. Really good. Um, but he's doing a lot with core lines. He's, he's he's on the road constantly. He's a really good guy, uh, Mickey. Uh, guy, I would love to get you to know him. Mm. Yep. But yeah, we got the Cigar Hustler 45. Yeah. So go to Cigar Hustler. Listen, listen to the Cigar Hustlers podcast, which now is becoming like a media empire. The Cigar Hustler. Yeah. I, I will dispute their number one claim on the podcast with all due respect. Uh, because again, Dave, with Dave's built at Cigar Authority, you, you just can't. You, he's the number one guy out there. Um, he's bigger than Cigar Dave ever was. Uh, oh yeah. So, so I, I got to, you know, and look, I, what I, this is not a, a knock on Hustler. They, they they're a little mad at me. I, I, guys, with Hustler's built, let's not let's not underestimate. They've done a great job, and they do a very unique show. Um, but let's not forget. Um, on Hustler, um. You know, they, they're, of course, there's a store in Deltona, Florida. Mm -hmm. um, great selection of cigars, boutique, tried and true brands, great lounge, great customer service. But if you can't get to Deltona, Florida, get on their email list uh, because they announce a lot of their limiteds. And make sure you follow them on social media because sometimes they, they'll, drop the, uh, they'll drop the releases on there. Yeah, they even get to the website sometimes. So well, before they get to the email, but they'll be on the website. So you keep an eye on those two things. Honestly, if you're looking for limited stuff, uh, you'll be able to get it, is what I'm just telling you. Uh, they get a lot of it. So they do a really good job with that. Um, they get a lot of the Pravada stuff if you're into that as well. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, um, of course, check out that podcast and, of course, the Postani brand as well. So Yeah, and, and they still got – they got uh, – I'm, I'm waiting for that Connecticut to come out again. Come out. Uh, uh Yeah. Yeah, um, that will be in your pack. Uh, you have actually the one I'm sending you is going to have the special band on it from Pearl Sabor. Ooh. So yeah, you'll have another one coming. But that's I believe the Robusto size I'm sending you. Right. Which will go Let's out. Get... It should be out by the time the show airs. It'll be in the mail. Love it. 
Yep. Well, let's get let's get to some music here, Coop. Absolutely. What do you got this week, Dave? So side A, Boy Genius, which is a indie supergroup made of Lucy Dacus, Phoebe Bridgers, and Julian Baker. Yeah. They put out a full length LP. The the record is what's called. They they had an EP beforehand in 2018, but they put out full out LP. Um, the the track I chose is not strong enough, which is going to be very high on my top 50, I think. Um, so I did a just did a review of that song, so check that out on the website. Uh, and Lana Del Rey's album has dropped now. Uh, the album is called "Did You Know That There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard." Yep. Um, we we did that song a while ago, but now the record's dropped. She's doing a song with John Batiste, who's Coop's fan of. Yep, absolutely. Um. And the song's called Candy Necklace. Uh, right, the, the album reminds me a lot of Radiohead's OK I Computer, which you talked about. I've heard this. I could see it, yes. Because um, it's like a very, like every song has a sort of dystopian dread over it. <laughs> like it's a very, like, doom record. Um, but I love it. So, yeah, so it's, it has a lot of that vibe uh, to it. Um, and the album Archaeology Homework is the Run DMC album Raising Hell. The heck they didn't pick. Because I just got that on vinyl because I purchased The Runaways on vinyl and uh, Raising Hell. And I love it. Peter Piper is an amazing track. That wasn't even released as a single, by the way, Peter Piper. Oh. Uh, I mean, it, you know, they had My Ideas, Walk This Way, You Be Illin, and It's Tricky. Yeah. But Peter Piper is like, yeah. And, and, you know, Dave, that album, I don't think people understand that album was absolutely the groundbreaking uh the absolute groundbreaking um album for hip hop. I, I, I Oh, it's there, great. It was absolutely um a, a blockbuster. Because you also have so you have the radio hits, which is what you said, walk this way, but you also have Proud to be Black on it. And so that's had a bit of social commentary yeah, on there yeah, yeah. as well. It's a great record. I just it listened to it yesterday. It definitely is. It definitely is. Um it's a really good album, and that's the closing. Actually, that's the closing track, um, which reminds mm. me, I want to do a closing track show at some point too. Oh, I'll write yeah. it down. We did opening. We yeah, we did closing. opening. We got to do closing track. Yeah, that's the closing track on side two. Uh, Who's closing? Is it Purple Rain's closing track? Like, yep, Purple, Purple Rain's Rain. A, Purple Rain's the closing oh, oh, oh. track. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, it's interesting because I think that album. I know Raising Hell was spearheaded by the Aerosmith duet, which was you know groundbreaking in itself, but I think yeah. that album stood on its own after that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Def- I mean, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, Public Enemy is even said they've always, uh, Chuck D has always praised Raising Hell as the greatest hip hop album of all time. Chuck D is amazing. Yeah. Chuck D really uh, has always paid homage to that. I've heard him talk about that. Um, and there, a- are, the, are, the, are the, is Run DMC, are they Brooklyn boys or are they, Queen, where are they Queen, from? Queens, Queens, yeah. Hollis Queens, yep. That's right. Hollis Queens, yep. Um, and, uh, you know, again, the producers on that album, uh, Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin. So, oh, Rick Rubin, man. Again, yeah. Rick, I mean, Rick Rubin just comes up at the most bizarre. He does. <laughs> albums. He does. He made uh, Johnny Cash. <laughs> yep. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, it was an amazing, uh, just an amazing uh, run that that album had. Um, it's on so many lists too. Oh yeah, yeah, just it's great top record. albums. It's on, oh yeah, it changed music. That album, it really did. 
I thought Hector missed uh, it. I thought Hector, if he would have picked that one, that was a potential something that could have gone deep for him. I was so. surprised. Anyway. Yep. He'll, he, he, I mean, he was so drunk off of getting uh, Purple Rain. He just was like, I'm picking anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that would have been, yeah, agree. Raising Hell was the album. Oh, yeah. But that album he picked is a really good album. Um, I actually, uh, I've actually, uh, I actually have that album. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and it was a, uh, there was another album, it was King of Rock was in between that, but Run DMC, when that album came out, I remember I went and bought it in Manhattan, you know, that was, it was, you really couldn't find that, but they had, the, they had that song Hard Times, that was the big, mm. the big hit off that album, uh, so, uh, it, it was, it was a cool song. Well, that's all. That's all I got, Coops. That That's it, Dave. So, uh, again, thanks again. This was a, a very fun show to do. Mm. Um, tune in to it. Chase, tune to us for the next show. Uh, what what it will be and when it will be, and uh, we'll go from there. That, but that's gonna wrap up uh, primetime jukebox episode ninety four into the annals of history for this Easter weekend. Uh, belated happy Easter to everybody, and we'll catch you next time.